Are you okay, babe? Am I losing it? What can you possibly see in him? Well, apparently they have a lot in common. They even finish each other's sentences. What? Where did you hear this? Why haven't you told me about this? I knew it had to be something. Everybody knows, home dog. Well, I'm gonna have to turn this up a notch. see you sitting there you didn't no oh my, oh my god we made the same thing how serendipitous how are you good it's all the good all right well i'm i'm, I'm done with this so i'm gonna take, take it off. off excuse me nothing i i i didn't say anything are you feeling all, all right Kay? Right, huh? huh jinx you owe me a cup or, um, the, um, you can't talk till I, uh... What? It was a jinx. Okay, bye. Bye, low sell high. That's not what you're gonna... I'll, I'll see you later. Later, later. the alligator. Oh, okay. Welcome everybody to episode 12. 12! Yeah, I'm glad to get Brandon back in the studio. We had a bit of a I hate it. It smells like farts in here. quarantine a week ago, uh, but I was able to get like out of quarantine. Like, it smells like farts in here. So Brandon's able to get back in the studio. It smells like farts. Which is terrible for me because he's farting in my studio and making it smell bad. No, it was it smelled like farts before I got in here. I think it's mostly the doggo. He likes to rip. Don't you, don't you blame Oliver. All he does, he likes to rip. Don't you blame Oliver. Have you not heard him rip? No. I thought I was going to fart right now and I didn't. He goes, <laughs> can you do that one more time? No, I don't think I could. <laughs> don't think I could do it if I tried. Uh, hope you guys like that intro. It is from uh, Employee of the Month. Yep. We had to dig deep for that one because we're trying to find. Yeah. We're really I, trying I to find the, the yeah. whole movie, and I made it like almost a little past halfway, and I found it. Yep. I was like, oh, there it is. Yep. I, actually, I we really like the closer. More than we like the opener, but the closure just wasn't long enough. So yes. stick to the end of the episode and listen to the little bit. It's like a 30-second clip. It's worth yeah. listening to. Yeah. A lot of fun. If you want to hear more of our, our intros, you want to hear them, like we don't have to search through every single episode, go to our YouTube channel because episode four yeah. is the first five episodes. Well, actually, it's episode two through four. And it is still under two How Badly Podcast on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you guys can find it. We'll leave the link in the, the and, episode and, description. And where else can we, they contact us at, Justin? Well, they can contact us on our Instagram, which is the best place probably at How Did We Pod. Uh, you can go to our personal Instagrams as well, which is mine is at Jesse Reyes. Brandon's is Brandon Bro underscore ninety four. Mm-hmm. You can go to our Twitters and contact us as well, which is at Jesse Reyes thirteen for me. Brandon, Brandon Bro ninety four, no underscore. Yep. And then you can go to our email, email which, which is, is probably the second best place to reach yeah. us outside of Instagram, which is hdwghpod one at gmail Again, everything in the episode description. This episode is on Superstores. Super stores. And there's no hard and fast. And those are the definition. stores with like uh, like capes behind them, and they like billow in the wind, and then they save people's lives. Exactly. Oh, no, exactly. Yeah, the, I mean, they, they the, made a whole Marvel. Podcast. Isaac Zay, take us out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
but no, it's, uh, there's no hard and fast definition for, for Superstore. So, Brandon, we kind of went off our own definition of what most people consider these places Superstore, but there's no, like, they're not really d- defined as there's Superstore. No, there's no hard definition. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, we, we, we went with what we were with. We went with a lot of stores that you guys would consider, the big mm-hmm. ones, right? You're going Walmart, you're going Sam's Club, you're going Costco, you're going BJ's. Yo, you know uh, I'm going to get some BJ's. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know I'm going to get some BJ's. You know. I'm just uh, joking. Yeah. They're not really over here. They're uh, on the East Coast. We also went with Target. <laughs> so there's, there's other stores that we considered. Right? you got your Best Buys, your, Capella, your Cabela's, Home Depot, Ikea, Albertsons, Fry's, Sears. All those. Uh, Sephora even is considered one to some people. Um, Staples. But they're they're more specific to one Type of audience and one product. They're niche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where the superstores we picked don't necessarily have that. I know Sears, like the Walmart, Sam's Clubs, Costco, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they have food. They food. They have pharmacy. They have they have auto. They have yeah, uh, 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 like camping equipment. They have a deli. They have everything. They have everything. Yeah, that that's what we were looking for. Those kind of stores. Yeah, and I know Fries. So Fries does have a lot of stores that do that, but they're not in one store like fries you have to go to the fries electronic store you have to go to the fries grocer you have to go to the so and then sears but sears is mostly focused on electronics nowadays where it has other departments but not really well what they go and with. clothing i would say the two the yeah that they focus in on yeah so there was we had to make some cuts plus if we went to all of them we would be would, here for eight hours we'd be for eight hours so we focused mostly on careful doggo Careful. We focused mostly on on the the ones we considered the big the big group of superstores, super superstores. Yeah. Uh, Stupid that's, super. <laughs> but there's a lot to to Stupid. go into. It's it, honestly, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed diving into this episode. I thoroughly enjoyed diving into you. Mm, but we're gonna. <laughs> I, I, this is one of our stronger episodes. I feel really, really confident and looking forward to getting this one. I yeah. Do too. A yeah. lot of a lot of good characters. I'm definitely part of the Soul Price Fan Club, and hopefully, I convince you guys by the end of this episode to to join me. Yeah. yeah, definitely worth looking into. Uh, but let's dive into some ads and let's get into the episode. Justin, I want to talk to you about a god. A god what? of waterproof blankets. What? Oceus. Waterproof blankets? Yes. The Lord of the waterproofed blankets. Okay. Gods are that god's mythical. Okay. <laughs> but Oceus is very, very real. That's super cool. Waterproof blanket. It seems like it's perfect for the fall and the winter. Oh yeah. You know it what? is yeah. beautifully perfect. You got a pocket sized blanket that your little ones can use. What? Pocket sized, Justin. Pocket sized blanket? Pocket sized. Even uh, the big one weighs as much as a soup can. Not even that much. I, like a little tiny can. I don't believe you. It's true. Is it's it true. true. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. That, 100%. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to take a step further. What? Sherpa. Sherpa. Waterproof Sherpa. Get out of town. Dead serious. Get out of town. I don't want to. No, seriously. Get out of this town. No, I don't want... I was I was in Safford yesterday. I'm good. I got everything I need. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oceus is so awesome. Such a grateful uh, sponsorship as well. Uh, yeah, it's waterproof. You can get it anywhere. You can go on Amazon. You can go to walmart.com. You can go to oceusoutdoors.com. You can go to Oceus Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram. And that is spelled O-C-E-A-S. Yes. Thank you, Oceus. Waterproof blankets. Perfect gift for Christmas. Yep. Perfect to stay warm and dry. And there's four colors for your big blanket and four colors for your little blanket. Yep. High five, Oceus. Oceus. <laughs> 
So as we mentioned, there's just a few stores we're going to be touching on here, uh, but we're going to start with one of them that is not here. So the, the Merriam-Webster definition for a superstore is a very large store often offering a wide variety of merchandise for sale. Again, we kind of touched on the intro. That's, not a, that's kind of a vague... Like wide variety of merchandise like dildos, butt plugs, Yeah, it's, a, it's a super vague definition that doesn't really cover everything. Um, this is from an article from the Wall Street Journal, The Man Who Invented the Grocery Rips. Store. And I pulled a lot of the... <laughs> <laughs> I put a lot of information about this man, not only from this Wall Street Journal article, but there's a few other articles, some podcasts, difference. He's really, really well known. His name is Clarence Saunders, and he is the founder of the Piggly Wiggly. Why was it called the Piggly Wiggly, Brandon? Do you know? Um, because there were some piggies, and they tickled them, and they went, wiggle, wiggle, wiggly, wiggly, wiggly. No, that's not it. Do, do you know, know, like a serious guess? Uh, you don't. You don't know because he didn't even know. He thought it was silly and just against the mold. That's why he I was gonna it. say just that. Actually, because <laughs> a silly name. Because he was going against the the mold of traditions, and he was like, you know what? You're gonna find out that he is a very eccentric, unique, eccentric character. Uh, a typical superstore or supermarket, I'm sorry, carries around forty two thousand items. Um, I'll get into why that changes here in a second. Saunders opened the first Piggly Wiggly in Memphis, Tennessee, September 6, nineteen sixty. Uh, before the Piggly Wiggly shoppers would hand a list of items to a grocer, mm-hmm. and then they would go pick them up for them while they kind of just sauntered around the opening. We were finding um, some of the research when I was reading your page earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be kind of interesting. So, and it's it's impractical for today because people are in a hurry. And even if you had your list, if there's like thousands of people going to your store, there's no way you can freaking service all of them unless you're hiring a thousand clerks. Yeah, which makes no sense at all. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. No, because yeah, it makes no sense. No, um, you just get a thousand of them. So that didn't didn't work. The well, initial store had a thousand items. You know what? You're uh, right. A thousand, a thousand, a thousand work. You know, it's one per one per item. So like forty two thousand worker works now. One per item. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be hell. That would be hell. <laughs> <laughs> you go in, you have a two hundred items, and you have to go to two hundred different people to scan yeah. them by That'd be yep. insane. Yeah. No. So it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense from a from a customer standpoint or from the store standpoint but that's what people did they went to the store had you list uh, or they would go to like the local apothecary and it'd be like one guy standing behind a uh, counter and they would just ask for, for certain things he'd turn around and grab you uh, that just it's impractical in so many different reasons Saunders thought the same thing so his initial store the Piggly Wiggly had a thousand items which is four times the variety of a typical grocery store which didn't have very many items at all uh, who is Clarence Sanders? well he was a school dropout he worked as a flour and grain salesman, not doing much. And at 35, he said, um, screw this, I'm out of here. I'm going to slay these demons of high prices. Quote, unquote, slay the demon of high prices. Okay. <laughs> I saw quotations around it, wasn't sure. Yeah. You're going to find like, wow, some... he's slaying demons out there. You're going to find some quotes in here that I absolutely... I, I love them. I love all of them. I'm not going to... I don't remember all of them off the top of my head. I didn't write on all of them, but I, I will... I will bring them up and reference them. Uh, he built the Piggly Wiggly on the idea that shoppers would hand select their own items and pay up front in exchange for lower prices and faster shopping, which, yeah, of course. I'm going to pay less. I get to shop quicker. I don't have to sit around waiting for freaking the, the ding-dong 16-year-old run around and grab my items and make sure he got the right ones. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'll, I'll just run in there and grab my own. And you can weigh and look at the, like which one has damage, which one doesn't have damage. And yeah. I mean, usually grocery stores are already pretty good if they see a damaged yeah. item they take it off the shelf. Oh yeah, and and this what well, the, the nice thing what he also did as well is that he labeled the prices of what they are, and this is the first time they did that in grocery stores as well. You knew exactly what you were paying for. Uh, he would also the stores before this would also not only have a grocer, but you'd pay on credit and they'd come back and get pay you. So it just it made it made no sense from 
a business standpoint to do that. He took away the credit line and, and he marked the prices so customer knew what they're paying. They didn't have to credit it. If I had the money to pay for it, I could pay for it. If not, then I wasn't going to pay for it. Yeah. And he was the first person to do that. Uh, what I, he was also the first person to start this trend as well, which I, you get it. You get it from a business standpoint, but you don't like it. He did more processed food and did less produce because processed food was easier to hold on the shelves, easier to stock, easier to keep track of, where produce was not as easy to maintain, especially if you had people uh, moving around your store freely. Uh, yeah, he began the, the focus on branding in foods as well in his, instead of groceries. So you're having brand processed food like would, in these aisles. He would put a piece of iron with like words and stuff like that on a on coals, and then he would and then he would play placement items to brand them. Sure. Except no, it was brand, brand. He took you, the face of you. Oh, it, it was branded. my face on yeah. the iron. Boom, brand. Nice. I like it. <laughs> I, now we got to get, now I got to get myself a, a, a branding iron that's yeah. my face on there. No, but if you want to thank anyone for processed food and for brand name items in your local grocery store, uh, Clarence Saunders, he's the first to do it at the Piggly Wiggly there in 1916. Uh, the opening was a huge success and eight more stores were opened in the Memphis area by the end of the year. Copycats like Handy Andy and Helpy Selfie began to pop up. Uh, my favorite was the copycat that was named Hoggly Woggly. <laughs> 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 uh, he I was know, able I to... I like Handy Andy, though. Handy Andy is awesome. But yeah. like Piggly Wiggly, uh, whoa, we're not copying you. We're, our name's Hoggly Woggly. <laughs> he like... sued them successfully. Clarence Saunders did. Yeah. He's like, nope, that's too close. Copyright infringement. Way too close. Yeah. <laughs> That's lazy. They I mean, handy the handy first letters of both of them. Yeah. Helpy selfie is. I mean, it's a lame name, but at least it's not the same exact name. Yeah, all they took is the Y and the end to change the other two. Yeah. Same with same with handy handy. They, oh, they yeah. took they all they have is the Y and the the, the yep. double E. You know the E. I love, I love handy handy. Handy handy, he just freaking. That's the guy that hangs around. You know what I mean? You see him at work, feeling a little stressed. Do you go to handy handy lately? <sighs> Need to. No. Been a long week. <laughs> um, so by 1923, there were over 1,200 Piggly Wiggly stores in the U.S. <laughs> so that's a and that's an incredible growth, right? From 1916 to 1923, it was a seven years. He went from one store to 1,200 yeah. stores. Yeah, it's incredible. The company would hit 2,600 stores by 1932, nine years later. And I would, I would never know how, like, how big it was, because I mean, they're not even. Are they around? Well, they're, they're no, they're still around. They're just not. A, they're more of a in the south. Yeah, you'll see them in the south. You do um, not see them here. I just in, know in in that '70s show. That's the story. Yeah, I know. I love that yeah, that yeah. scene. And we thought about for an opener to do that scene where uh, Kelso and, and Fez go uh, milf hunting, basically. Yeah. At the, <laughs> the local yeah. Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. Which I mean, I think. Yeah, I'll leave it alone. It would just, uh, it would just, it, <laughs> the dynamic of who we are as husbands and fathers, and the yeah. dynamic of that that particular situation doesn't really. It wouldn't have worked. It doesn't come together. Yeah. <laughs> now, but the Piggly Wiggly failed after brokers started or shorted the stock. So uh, you're learning a lot about shorting stocks right now because we're taking AMC to the fucking moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and. and. GameStop is now a Fortune 500 company. Yeah, no, I love the I dude, I I love some of the memes of like it's a, like a picture of like a bunch of businessmen and then like a random person. And it's like it's like, <laughs> it's like GameStop. GameStop sitting at the, <laughs> <laughs> the Fortune 500 companies. <laughs> uh, but anyways, they, they they shorted the stock. So Saunders borrowed money and tried to buy back all the stocks uh, and it backfired big time and he went bankrupt for the first time. 
Uh, side story, Saunders would start a new size supermarket uh, with clerks in the meat department and bakeries as well as aisles and self-storage. We're going to get more into that if we do when we do the grocery store episode uh, because this is the first time you see that too where you see like specific clerks for the meat department, for the deli, for all the, the bakery, all those different things. Uh, and he named <laughs> uh, the new owner of the Piggly Wiggly sued over the use of the name Clarence Saunders because it was synonymous with the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. Uh, they didn't, weren't able to sue him, so he did name his store the Clarence Saunders sole owner of my own store. <laughs> store. Yeah. And it became the sole stores. And that was a huge success. He made yeah. another fortune as this store began to spread. Yeah. Uh, the Great Depression would crash Saunder one more time, but his original store, the Piggly Wiggly, would continue trucking along. You see it, see it still today. Yeah, that's what she, they pushed him out of his own, his own thing. Try to steal his name, name. Yep, and then he was able to keep doing it. He said, "Effie with his name." And you'll and the reason why he failed the second time. We'll get into the grocery business. He got he he was just. He was greedy, which made him really good in the sense of he did not want to back down to anybody. And he yeah. was not going to give up what was his for anything, uh, which ended up backfiring him. But you're going to see it did pay off for people like Sam Walton and for uh, these other entrepreneurs, Jeff Bezos. They refused to sell. They refused to do it other people's way. And it kind of worked out for them. Clarence Saunders, he was just a little bit too uh, too much of himself. You need to be able to bend and <laughs> go in the wind like a tree, right? You need yeah. to be able to treat the doesn't matter how hard the wind comes, you need to be able to, to stand up straight in, yep. in the face of that wind. Yep. And you have to be able to at least work with him. You might not be able to sell, but you might, but he didn't. He refused. And, and yeah, there's some cool side stories that we'll get into uh, whenever we do like a grocery store type episode. Um, and actually, anyways, and so other stores were <laughs> experimenting with the same idea as Saunders in the early 1900s. So why the Piggly Wiggly is important, it's not a superstore for sure. I mean, it's definitely not a superstore. But... It's important because it was the first store to do that, to have aisles, to brand things, to have the yeah, Brandon's face, face yep. Yep. Um, to do prices on different things. It was the first first one. He was the first one to do that, and people would follow suit there. I mean, yeah, of course. You put my face on anything, you're going to yep. win. Well, it was considered experimental in the 19, around 1960. That's what it was considered. So there were other stores experimenting with the same idea as Saunders in the early 1900s. Uh, but the success of Piggly Wiggly. Piggly, he was the greatest success story of them, Brandon. <laughs> and it's why he garners the most attention. He's also like a, a, an interesting character to follow, so he's easy to follow. So those are two reasons. Uh, Alpha Beta in Southern California, which a lot of our tale is going to move to here soon was another major one at the same time so albert and hugh gerard had already owned grocery stores but did not start adopting a self-serving system till 1914 right two years before clarence saunders uh, but they weren't the characters clarence saunders were so they didn't they didn't get the attention uh the, the name comes from the triangle groceria in pasadena uh, that began to arrange groceries alphabetically in 1915 the name alpha beta would be the first used at a pomona store in 1917 pomona stand up that's where i was born uh, same with our older brother. 1932, Alpha and, Beta. And Tyler. Yeah. And Bailey, wasn't she born again? Yeah. yeah. But you're lame and you weren't. You were born, born near Sacramento. Yeah, I was born uh, in Roseville. <laughs> 1932, the Alpha Beta began operating its first supermarket under the wholesale re, uh, retained food market name. Some came from, to be known as Alpha Beta Ranch Markets. 20 such stores opened in 1945. The company went public in 1956, acquired Raisin Markets in 58. 1961, Alpha Beta merged with American stores. Acme on the East Coast. Acme's still around, so you probably know that name. ACME. Uh, yeah. Alpha Beta moved stands to... For always cock mending. Experimental. What? <laughs> Whenever I see Acme, I always think of the freaking like the the 
Roadrunner and Coyote. Yeah. Well, the act. Mamie. Yeah. But Apple Beta moved to NorthCal in 1967. 68 stores covered to the discount format, converted to the discount format because it was the, the, the craze at the time. 73, Alpha Beta operated over 200 supermarkets, 50 coffee shops and drugstores, 88 Lucky Stores and American merged, and Alpha Beta is phased out. And that would be the end of the Acme store. Acme is now a subsidiary of Albertsons and can be seen on the East Coast. But again, Albertsons is, though it's a big chain, we don't consider it a superstore. But it is important because they were experimental, the, the, the early part of it, right? The Alpha Beta was the experimental part in helping create a store that you see today. So that's why they're important to kind of touch on to begin with. Uh, there was a Detroit Free Press article, store gets historical marker for first American store. So they did, like the historical society did mark it as the first historical store. Historical Americans. Superstore. American. There you go. First American superstore. So, can't even read your own writing. <laughs> but I'm out because my mind goes lost. And, and you typed it, so. I would greatly dispute this. Greatly dispute this as we see there's other stores that were considered, I consider superstores now. They just weren't considered superstores then, but they came before. I, I noticed in, in um in a lot of these articles that I was reading that they, they whatever store that they're they're doing, they suck their dick pretty hard. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They suck their dick pretty hard. And you're like, really? Was it though? I mean, if you can get your dick sucked, you want it to be. Yeah. I know, but that's what I see. They they were slobbering. They're they're deep. Well, it, they was were... a, it was a Detroit Free Press, so they're like, I th- they're probably trying to just drum up some interest for their own area and local businesses and trying to build them up. I mean, you can't blame them for that. Detroit's trying to like build back as a city, so that, that, that's probably where it came from. Uh, we'll touch on this store because it is considered a superstore kind of. Thirty acres open June sixty second or June. 1962 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, near Detroit. Uh, the store included 18 checkout lanes and seven-acre parking lot. The store would change its name to Mihir Argimi in 1984. <laughs> I was watching the. Uh, I think it's it. pronounced Mihir. It's M E I J E R. It's Mihir. Mihir. Well, I, I just I wanted to say Mihir because it reminds me of freaking Darcy Mier. from Mier. Thor. Yeah. <laughs> Mohir was the first to put together a supermarket and discount department store together. So before Costco, Walmart, all that put a market, like a supermarket inside their huge retail stores, this was the first to do it. So I will give them credit for that. Um, they do like the Sam Walton did credit them for being the first to do it. So they, they in that respect, they were the first to introduce a grocery store into an already market. That's where you have the super Walmart super centers in the Target Supercenters. Um, this was the first one to do it, and it was in Detroit. Uh, Sandra Clark, director of the Michigan Historical Center, would say, it was a new business model. Even the founder of Walmart cites them as an example for who they looked, or who were looking at when inventing their business model. Today, Mohir has 219 stores across the Midwest. So again, like Piggly Wiggly Regional. Uh, although again, it's not a superstore. What is a superstore is Walmart. Now, Sam Walton is a name that most people know. Sam Walton himself was a really good guy and really, really good to his employees. Unfortunately, his as children know, is yeah, they they have a very, very bad reputation for how they treat their employees nowadays. Uh, at least last time I heard, uh, hopefully that's changed, but I haven't heard anything to the contrary. But Sam Walton himself was really good. And he was a really good founder. So he founded Walmart as an experiment based on the hopes that anything would work in a consumer-driven post-war market of the 1950s America. Uh, so he, he thought, you know what? War's over. Families are going to be starting to come home. And they're going to want to go out and shop, especially discounted prices. And I think that can really, really work. So he, he bet on himself. 1950s, yeah. Sam Walton. Always bet on black. Well, you... So... 
What I like about Sam Walton, and I like about Soul Price, and uh, what is the name of the guy that started Costco blinking him right now? Jim Sinegal. Jim is, Synagogue, yes. Is they've all been on record to say they did not invent something. Like Soul Price said, you can, to sit down and think that you can invent to do all this stuff at once, nobody has that time or uh, ability to do so. It just doesn't happen. So you pull from great ideas from other people, then you make them your own way. They also were very great proponents of there's not one way to do something. Like you can do something a different way and be very successful at it as long as you do it well. And that's what Sam, again, Sam Walton took a lot from Soul Price, as many of these people did. Uh, 1950, Sam Walton brought Luther, bought Luther Harrison's variety store in Bentonville, Arkansas, and he opened the Walton 5 to 10 store. The first 5 to 10 store was run as part of the Ben Franklin franchise. So ben Franklin stores were all over. Benny Frank. We've touched on him probably more than we've liked to. Which is <laughs> at all, but he is yeah. a prominent figure in history. Yeah, so. yeah but Benny so Frank stores him were... Would be yeah. Well, That's it's not even necessarily... I don't even know if he started the Benny Frank store. I, d- I didn't care enough about Ben Franklin to actually dive into where it started. Don't blame me. But it was a Ben Franklin franchise. So Benny Frank, trash. Walton worked for him. He decided to run his first store. why Walmart turned to trash. No, well, Walmart did decided to leave Franklin. So due to his success, Walton split to create his own discount store. I said what I said. <laughs> July 2nd, 1962, Sam Walton opened the first Walmart in Rogers, Arkansas. His first store was associated with Benny Frank and his evil ways. But after that, he went out and do his own thing. Uh, Bob Bogle, Sam's assistant, was the one to come up with the name. Uh, Walmart was the first superstore, supermarket and discount variety store, to move from the congestion of the cities and focus more on the suburb, suburban and rural population, which is a smart move. right? What, are we, what were we talking about as far as... Um, I think it was the old chocolate factories, right? How they moved out of the middle of the cities to create their own little dairy farms and like away from everyone and then bring the product into the cities. Sam? Yeah, I believe it was. So Walmart was did yeah. the same thing. So they're like, our people aren't, you're not going to go shop Walmart in downtown Phoenix, right? But you know who will shop it is the people out in the suburbs of like Queen Creek yeah. or Glendale or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where the, where the people where are actually, where they can like run to the grocery store real quick. Yeah. Or they, oh crap, I need some batteries. I don't have to run to the middle where everybody is at. I can just run to the local Walmart. And that's what yeah. he really wanted to do and that, that paid off big or time like for you're, him. You're, you're going to shopping in town, town and then you're you're headed out of town and then you realize you, oh, I forgot like three things that I need. I know Walmart has it. Let me just hop real quick and get it. Yeah. Well, so when suburbans were initially created to be their own little city centers. So like they're supposed to be like you have your... Your parks, you have your schools in that area, and then you can have your local grocery yeah, stores, all this stuff. For the most of them, do um, a lot of them have become too car centric, where they've they're spread out more than I would like them to be for or, me personally. Or are they just a lot of actual dealerships? Yeah, so literally car centric. And, and, there, and, and there are and there are also, but it's because there there's things are spread out. So uh, eventually, suburbs. I know. Well, in some cities, they're trying to build it where you can like actually walk to. But like, so my 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 wife's aunt we go visit her in phoenix mm-hmm. they live in queen creek in donna yeah if we want something you have the local like walgreens right there which isn't a, a superstore but walgreens is a big chain mm. or you can go to the target which isn't that far you can just drive in real quick grab what you need come back yeah because like, that's what that's what the purpose of, of walmart that's what sam walton wanted when he moved to the suburb area is like that person's gonna want to get a notebook right offhand but he's not gonna want to spend a whole day Looking for it. <laughs> Looking for driving to the city. Hearing it. Yes. Yes. So hundred percent. So a, a brilliant move by Sam Walton there, I think. Yeah. 
1964, the second Walmart would open in neighboring Harrison, Arkansas. Walmart grew on the model of everyday low prices and selling brand merchandise at low prices. Uh, by 1967, there were 24 Walmarts opened, all in the state of Arkansas. Uh, 1968. <laughs> that was for Brandon's. You tried to you tried to yep. slide that in there, huh? Yeah, that was for Brandon's. <laughs> uh, 1968 would see Walmart expand outside of Arkansas, opening stores in Silkston, Missouri, in Claremont, Claremore, Oklahoma. Uh, Kansas was next, and the company would become incorporated in Delaware in October 1969. 1972, Walmart Delaware. goes public, and expansion it continues. Just, it just sounded weird coming out of your mouth, but you said it right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 1972 though they they do their IPO drop so their initial public offering as far as like on the market goes and their expansion continues 73 they go into Tennessee 74 they get into Kentucky and Mississippi 75 they go to Texas and Walmart would have 125 stores by this point in 75 when they go into Texas so they're moving and they're growing pretty quickly 77 they were Illinois Uh, Walmart begins to their acquiring way so Walmart it does so well not just because of the amount of stores they are, where they're placed, and their local prices. They also acquire a lot of businesses where they're able to sell their prices, sell their products for lower prices. As we've seen, like Costco, we'll get into a bit, created their own brand in Kirkland so they can sell cheaper. Yeah. Walmart would just acquire. <laughs> yeah. So a Walmart acquires more value in MOHR, more value in 77. Uh, stores located in Missouri and Illinois were absorbed and rebranded as Walmart. In 78, Walmart acquires the Hutchison Shoe Store Company. They would push Walmart into the pharmacies, auto service center, and jewelry. Walmart would launch divisions for each department and create product lines for its store. Uh, 81, Walmart acquires around 92 Big Coons, Big K store pro- primarily Big Coons? whoa yeah k-u-h-n's though oh. i think it's the last name a Big Coons, yeah big yeah. k stores primarily in southeastern uh usa oh, getting a little racist over here white you know what i've heard a lot of like i found a lot of like names of like debunked stores and like brands it's pretty cool to like to dive into those and we'll dive into a little bit more of it when we go into like the costco side of it mm. um but i mean there's just there was a lot of they were like huge in people's lives for a long time but they just don't exist anymore uh, it's kind of cool to see that they expand some more Right, 81, they go into Georgia and South Carolina, 82, Florida and Nebraska, 83, Indiana, Iowa, New Mexico, North Carolina, they're everywhere. April 1983, Walmart opens its first Sam's Club in Midwest City, Oklahoma. It is a, the first membership-based discount wholesale warehouse store for them, and it is based a lot off of Price Club, who was owned by Soul Price. And Soul Price, as you'll see, helped create the first Costco, right? And Costco kind of absorbed price club uh, but they learned a lot from soul price a lot of these people did same with the inventors of home depot they were home deepest they learned they went and talked to soul price he like kind of mentored the guy he went met arthur blank and opened home depot in because um, the the original owner like had failed business could not get a where uh home improvement store off the ground and he went and talked to soul price about his business model he went and met arthur blank and then boom home depot is yeah, world known. Yeah. Um. So Sam's Club. There was, co- a, there was a very small moment in time where I almost worked for work at Home Depot. I did work for Home Depot for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you did too. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I loved. I actually really loved working for Home Depot. If there was, I mean, I was younger and there wasn't a whole lot of hours, and I wanted to do other things in my life. But I, I really did enjoy my time at Home Depot. Yeah. It was a, it was a fun job to have. I, I I if I didn't go to. Who did I work? For, ended up going to work for. Um. Western. If I didn't go to Western Industrial, which led me into working for FMI, uh, I would have went to Home Depot. Yeah. No, it was Home like Depot. a very small window. And Home Depot, they actually do, they took a lot of good care of their employees there too, which is cool. I, I liked, again, they just don't have a lot of the hours. Western does not. In Western, no. No, no, no. But you do no, for FMI I now. I did work a ton. 
Oh, and I was working six days a week. So yeah. one, one day, the first two weeks I worked was straight. I worked 14 days straight. Yep. yep. I remember doing that for um, Jacobs where I was working 13 and ones for a long time. Yep. 13 straight days, one off. Yep, it's killer. Yeah. Man, oh, but... yeah. The checks were phenomenal because I wasn't really paying for insurance. I, I didn't have I, I didn't have a family. Yeah. I didn't have a family at the time. This was pre, pre did, wife I and kid. I had, I had one wife and a kid. Yeah. But she worked. She was working full yeah. time. I wish I was just smarter about money because I was rolling in the bill. Well, I wasn't rolling in it. I uh, I was only getting twelve fifty an hour. I was getting like seventy hour work. Oh no, I wasn't getting much an hour. Yeah. I think I was getting you like, getting like 70, 65 16? to seventy five hours a week. I was getting like sixteen an hour, but I was getting like seventy hours, seventy or sixty each week, and I was yeah, getting paid same. Yeah. See, and that that made the difference. I was getting like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a check. That's weekly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was nice. Nowadays, my yeah. checks I make more, but. Mm-hmm. Because Same. of uh, higher insurance payments and Same. family, yep. rent, cars, yep. all that stuff. <laughs> check, check, check. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was the first. So it Sam Sam Walton, he Walmart was a big success, but he wanted to continue to grow and do more. He saw what Soul Price was doing and he's like, I want to do that. He went he met with Soul Price again, he credits him for a lot of what he does. And he decides, you know what, that's what we need. So he names it Sam's Club, because his name is Sam Walton. So it's Sam's Club and he opens the first store. And again, 83 in mid-city Oklahoma. By 85, Walmart had more than 880 stores. 1988, Hypermart USA opens in Washington, Missouri as the first Walmart Supercenter store. Uh, although Hypermart would change to Walmart Supercenter shortly after. He didn't just really didn't care for it. Um, 1990, Walmart be expanded into California. This surprised me. It didn't get into California until 1990. Really? Yep. Walmart? Mm-hmm. Wasn't in Wal- it wasn't Actually, in California. Actually, you'll see that a lot. Uh, that'll be like 80s and 90s whenever stores move to California. And then they just blow up there. Well, I think because Soul Price basically had the market corner in California for a while. Mm. <laughs> he ruled the roost there and no one really wanted to challenge him. But they, but Walmart was different than, than uh, Price Club. So he was able to, to kind of sneak in there as a super center. Uh, they would also open the visitor center at the same time. For, for guests to visit. 1991, Walmart opens a store in New Mexico. And actually, in 1991, he opens in California, he'd become the first retailer to go nationwide. There was no other retailer that was nationwide mm. from coast to coast until that point. Yeah. Uh, 91, opens stores in New Mexico City, so he goes international. 1988, Walmart introduces a neighborhood market store as a small grocery store with the Walmart brand. 1998, Walmart enters South Korea with the acquisition of four Korean macro stores. As I mentioned, he doesn't to buy or build he just acquires businesses oh, and rebrands them uh, 1999 Walmart acquires Asda chain ASDA chain Asda in the UK it's the second largest chain in the UK behind Tesco that sounds like how that's what I was going to say Asda yeah Asda and mouth I know what I know what Tesco you <laughs> idiot <laughs> you an idiot Zinga <laughs> alright uh, high five Anyways, um, so it's, it was the second largest chain in the UK behind Tesco. And I know what Tesco is. I've heard of that before. Uh, but but you never heard of Astamouth before because Walmart acquired it and rebranded it. Because mm. who wants to be known as Astamouth? And then it was in those mouth, mouth to ass. No, and then it was Walmart. Or just an L. <laughs> <laughs> who is an L? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 2016, yeah. 2016, Walmart rolled out Walmart Pay, a digital-based pay tool for customers to pay with their smartphones. Uh, there are now over 11,500 stores in 26 countries, 4,756 of them in the United States alone. Dang, that's uh, that's like right where Target's at. Yeah, Walmart yeah. and Target are just everywhere. Like they're they're <laughs> like that. Yeah, but Target doesn't have like a Sam's Club like Walmart does, which is surprising. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Target's not done 
grown no. and diversified. Well, they just I think they they can they they do more of uh, like charity. Like they they do so much into charity. I think that's their focus. Is what? it's just their stores and then their charities. Yeah, and they're also doing the same note of um, their Target stores are better than Walmart stores. Let's be honest, but they're cleaner, they're nicer. Walmart stores are what they are, uh-huh. right? And they're not not to say all Walmart stores because there are some Walmart stores I've been into that are definitely way better than other ones that I've been to. <laughs> well, it's like I, I feel like uh, Target is not probably the many. closest thing to uh, Rigby Mars as far as how they. They conduct their business as far as charity, yeah. eco-friendly. We'll get into it. Well, and so Price was the same way. It was, it was. He's very charitable. Like they, the USC named a school after him because of a lot of donations, not just to the school, but to people all over. And then, as you'll see, Sam Walton, uh, Jeff Bezos, all those guys credit their success to teachings and what they've learned from Soul Price. And that's what we're going to kind of jump into next. So the most popular uh, of Would the. Would you say he was an outlier? I mean, yeah. I mean, based on his success and what yeah. he, who he was as a person, he was the only one of his kind. Yeah, uh, he'd be so, able to hold, he'd be able to hold hit where he was and how he did it for as long as he did. And, yeah, uh, you know, you'd have to be an outlier. Yeah. So warehouse club store history, right? Because that's what Walmart moves into with Sam's Club. Sam's Club's do pretty well. Walmart's still their their main group, but Sam's Club's do pretty well. Uh, that's what we're gonna talk about a little bit next. The most popular in the U.S. right now are Costco, BJ's, and Sam's Club. We already touched on BJ's Sam's Club. Brandon's gonna tell you about BJ's. And how good I'll tell you he is! All about BJ's and, and how good I am. Yep, how to do them right. Um, yeah, how to, how, how to take time. Perfect sure. technique. It, it, I mean, if if I'm gonna give you a quick note, <laughs> pay attention to the balls. Not every guy likes that, but the guys who kind of like it really like it. It's either all or nothing. <laughs> all right. Sam Clubs like Ralphie May. He's like it's like uh, like a good BJ is like little league. Everybody plays. <laughs> 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 so yeah so as i mentioned sam's club was not sam walton's for uh he wasn't the first to come up with he wasn't the first to come up with really anything he did he just took other people's ideas and did them better is what he did right except for sam's club he didn't really do better than costco but pretty good Ooh, shots fired shots fired i mean let's be honest costco's shots fired fire. but he doesn't focus on costco they focus on, on walmart He's come over here yeah, uh, Soul Price. This is a guy that I wanted to dive in really and talk deep. about forever. Like, yeah, I hope so. Part of the Soul Price fan club for sure, like uh, 100%. Uh, 1976, Soul Price opens the first Price Club in San Diego, California. But there's so much more to talk about before that. Brandon's gonna get mad because I dove into him probably a little bit more than I should have, but I did hold back. Born uh, in New York City, 1916 to Russian immigrants, his parents Sam Price and Bella Barkin were from Minsk, Belarus. During a time where they were kind of unkind to people can, with can Jewish take, descent. Can we take a second? Can we take a beat? No. How dope is that name, though? What? Soul Price. I know. This is it. This is the price. Yep. Soul this price. is the price. Yep. Soul Price. And if you want to look him up, S-O-L. There's no E-S-O-L. Yeah. Price. It's it's a strong name. Yeah. And he's a dude. Yeah. He's, he's a strong dude. Yeah. Short, concise, to the point, yep. and just dope. And he gets his strength from his mother. Well, definitely not from his Bella Birkin. Yeah, definitely doesn't get it from his his dad, as we'll see. Uh, they both Is came. It pansy ass? Yeah, they both came through Ellis Island in 1904. <laughs> although separately, his mother came by herself from Belarus through Ellis Island at the age of 13, and then their parents kind of got together because they were from the same area. It was fa- so. I, and I see his father was considered lazy. Yeah, and he extremely was lazy. Seen uh, to be have faked illnesses. Yes, he faked uh, TB. Um, and his doctor ordered them to move the family from New York to San Diego, and they were able to do this and get a nicer house because his family, his dad would just collect uh, unemployment or disability checks and, and never work. 
You just kind of hey, he found like he found his way around the system, baby. A little bit, but this is definitely the yeah. opposite of what Soul Price would become. Yeah, that's he not, would become known really well for his not hard how work. I want to do my business. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. hey, if that's how you want to live your life and you made it happen. Good for you. All right, so Soul is going to do a little <laughs> bit of moving around here, like back and forth from coast to coast to coast to coast to coast, uh, and then he's going to kind of find his niche. So he finished high school in San Diego, right? He moved from New York to San Diego because his dad finished high school, moved back to New York with his mom and his siblings during the Great Depression. Uh, he began attending he NYU. His dad back in New York or what? In San Diego, yeah. Uh, so began attending NYU in Washington Square before he moved back to San Diego with his family. His mom and dad um, got back together a year later. Uh, Sol intend- attended San Diego State College for a year before transferring to UCLA. After a year at UCLA, he transferred to USC. Dang. Dang. Yeah, where he got his un- well, he didn't get his undergraduate degree, but he attended one more year. His first year at USC counted as a year towards a bachelor's degree, towards a law school degree as well. So, um, but once more, Sol and his mom moved back to NYC after his parents officially divorced and, and separated. Uh, Sol once again would attend NYU before moving once more back to LA. So, <laughs> so he goes New York to San Diego, but I mean, to New York to LA. Probably to really New York good for him. His developing mind to, to experience all that different culture. Well, he what he said is that he learned the the power of people. And, and dealing with people whenever he was going to the Midwest during the Depression and he was seeing people with their guns stand at their property line um, beg or because they were trying to they're trying to take away people's property yeah like as you've seen I'm, I'm curious to see what happens now is when people start to because they, they, they they've made laws where you can't evict people yeah during the Depression they didn't so they were sitting there trying to take people's land people were standing at their property lines with guns saying the I'll hell you it. are yeah, take it. <laughs> it's like I own this land. Yeah, I own it, and you're gonna try to take it. And it was you. And Soul Price talks about how powerful that was from. So there's a lot of quotes from Soul Price. There's also a book written by his son Robert. So it was a lot. It was easy to find information on this guy. He, he was very well respected and liked. the The CEO and the co-founder of Costco also talks about him at length all the time. Sam Walton. There's a lot of quotes from him talking about Soul Price and from Jeff Bezos talking about Soul Price. Uh, but again, move back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and then he's he, the one and only. He's yeah. the soul. Perhaps. In 1938, <laughs> Soul received his bachelor's degree and law degree in the same year from USC. He finished top 10% of his class. By November, he had passed the bar and was practicing law already. Uh, Soul was offered a job as the city attorney for the city of Oildale in the San Joaquin Valley. Uh, but he turned it down in order to move to San Diego. His father, Max Moskowitz, had arranged for him to open his legal practice in the office of Weinberger and House Miller. Moskowitz? Max Moskowitz. Not nearly as uh, strong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he met his wife, Helen Moskowitz, while, while in uh, high school, and he married her in secret in January of 1938. Was it because she was ashamed of marrying a guy named Mouse? No, Helen married Soul. Oh. Married her soul. She found her soulmate. She found her soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> For the right price? For the right price? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> he married his soul, she married her soulmate yep. because he was the right price. And, and Helen, just like Soul's mother, were very strong women and did very good for him. And and he was very dedicated to her like he was to so many different things. They ended up being married for over 70 years. Mm. And they married in secret while they were both attending USC, finishing up his degree and law degree. Sounds like a love uh, so, story if I've ever heard one. Yep. Uh, when Soul's father-in-law passed, his mother-in-law was tasked with deciding to do what to do with the property that they he had left behind. They owned a business in <laughs> San Diego, Brandon. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Soul Soul became a big influence to his mother-in-law because she's a little bit older. He was a little bit younger, and he talked her into trading that business that they had that wasn't making any money for a old warehouse building on Main Street in southeastern area of San Diego. 
Um, Sol again now was tasked with what to do with that old warehouse. He knew he wanted to do something with it. He liked it. Didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, it was. Um, a, it's a. It's a. It's a skeleton. It's a. It's foundation. It's it's potential. Yep. He saw potential. He just didn't know it, what clue would. It, now he now the part is is how do you bring? It's like it's like a piece of marble. The the sculpture's there. You just have to. It's the artist's job to bring it out, right? And so that was what Soul did. Is he had this this shell, and he had to turn it into what he needed it to be to fulfill and feel like he turned it into what it's supposed to be. Yep. And I'm guessing. As to where the story's going is that's what he, exactly what he did. Yep, so to speak. He so this in steps Fedco, and Fedco. If you lived in California at that time, you know exactly it's a what Fedco all is. Federal company, right? Yeah, one of Soul's clients and close friends, Mandel Weiss. Uh, he becomes a business partner with Soul. Invited Soul to visit a store in L.A. So Weiss and his business partner Leo Friedman owned a four star owned what was called four star jewelry. Four star jewelry sold retail and wholesale jewelry. So this is where he farts, starts to learn the discount he and wholesale farts prices. to learn? Starts to learn. He said farts. I loved it. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's, uh, like, it's like he's reading books. He's just tooting the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> if he does it too, he doesn't learn nothing. If you fart, I mean, you could. Fart Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> if you get into One Piece, there's a character who talks through his toots and they didn't realize he was just tooting the whole time. Uh, it's like I I think of the epiphany toilet from Scrubs (laughs) where he goes they have to go to the roof and then they all get bright ideas there's there's Elliot Reed and he cuts her tongue out (laughs) kissing the air and just like (laughs) (laughs) alright so through four star Sol met a young Navy vet named Larry Bertrand and this is really who who his friend uh, Weiss wanted him to meet Uh, Bertrand worked with the military customers at four star but he also dealt with Fedco and he goes to visit Fedco. Fedco was fast becoming Four Star's largest customer. Fedco was a membership department store that was meant to serve U.S. postal workers. So it would find that Fedco would sell a wide variety of non-food merchandise at a very low price. What was surprising is that the store was packed with people that would drive from as far as San Diego to shop there. So it was specifically just for postal workers. It was a variety of discount stuff that was not food, yet it was packed and killing it. Yeah. And, and so it was like... Well, yeah, because he is because he, he understood. That. He understood. It sounds like he he got it. Like yep. he got there's there's things that people need that they it make their life a hell of a lot easier, but they can't always attain it because of price or circumstance. But he had it at a great price, and like yeah, and they're federal they're federal uh, uh, workers, so they get paid decent wage. And, and here's here I want to touch on this real quick as to how soul. Sol went to right to, to school at USC. That's how he met um, um, his his wife, who met his father-in-law, who passed away. He met his mother-in-law, who gave him a building that was able to sell to a guy that he met. And while he owned his practice, Sol Price, for the first while, I think it was the first year, he had no money. He was a, still a kind of an immigrant back back and forth, uh, a child of an immigrant, right? Traveling back and forth from coast to coast, didn't have a whole lot of money, was smart enough to get through school. Um, and he decided to do pro bono work only, to start off his project. So he didn't get paid to be a lawyer for a long time. And he thought that this was the best way to do it because there's a lot of people that can't afford lawyers, one. So we want to do the right thing. As you'll see, he's, he's very much about helping out as many people as he can. And for two, he thought it can introduce him to more clients, which is exactly what it is. His, his law practice started to boom because of this because people were really liked what they do and then he'd help them out and then they'd kind of help him out and then introduce him to more people. People really liked what he was doing. He was able to take on more cases so he gained more experience. And through that, that's how he met Weiss. 
So this is a guy that was very much a let keep moving things forward and things will work their way out, work their way um, in favor of you, right? His granddaughter uh, gave a, a speech whenever he passed away saying that, how did he do it? She doesn't have enough time to do all these different things. And and he said, yes, you do. You Everyone has enough time. This isn't a direct quote. You can look up the direct quote. But think about how much time a day you spend sleeping, how much you spend uh, watching TV, how much time you spend eating. You have 24 hours in a day to make something of yourself. And we do so many things that waste time. And this was one of my greatest revelations for me when I was 25, 26, which, would, which helped start to make me move towards building these podcasts and the show, was that I didn't need to play that game on my phone. What am I doing sitting around watching TV for? Why do I have to binge watch the same show I'm watching all over again? Why am I watching what other people are doing? Why am I looking at what other people are creating when I can create my own? I have this time that I can do it. If I get rid of time wasters, that opens up so much time for you. And that's what Soul Price philosophy was built off of. And see, I did the opposite. I was doing all of the stuff, like everything you could possibly do. And then I was like, why am I doing all this extra stuff that nobody else is doing? Why am I can't do the same thing? And then I started watching all the shows same over and over again. I started sitting down while I'm playing more video games on my phone. I started, you know. <laughs> He's lying to you. He works hard as well. Yeah. We both work very, very hard. Uh, but you know what? And it is good too. And so and so it's not to, to like discredit people that want to watch those things because – um, we we both like Malcolm Gladwell, and he's talked about whenever he started, he was I very read all but two of his books. He I'm was very very that. derivative, very derivative. If you listen to like artists when they first start, but they're so... very derivative, but they use them to kind of build a platform for themselves to learn how they worked, and then you can build your own voice off of that. Yeah. And that's exactly kind of what Soul Price did, right? He found Fedco, same with Sam Walton found Price Club, and then they built their own voice off of that yeah. on top of it. And I mean, um, that's and that's. You, 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 I, like, I'm a huge stand-up fan. If you guys listened to earlier podcasts, you know that. I've talked about it before. Um, so what I love about stand-up is just what Justin's saying is you, you're derivative. And, it, and sometimes you're not just derivative of other artists or other creators or other entrepreneurial people. You're derivative of your own self. You don't know how to take yourself and take yourself to the nth degree. You just stay in the same place all the time. And that, that is being stagnant doesn't work. It's not growth. Okay, yeah. you're not moving forward. You're being in the same place. So being derivative, just because, just because just to say he's being derivative doesn't necessarily mean he's being derivative of somebody else. You may be being derivative of himself. Could be both at the same time, right? Yeah. But being derivative is being stagnant. You don't want to be derivative. But right. creative people, entrepreneurial people, people who are who are meant to move forward, they learn how to break that mold. They do it at first. Yep. And they, they keep pushing and pushing and until pushing they break until through. They, yep. And then they become this this different thing. It's like yep. a, it's like a uh, uh, a caterpillar creating a cocoon, right? You know, you know until I, you burst out of it, and they're a beautiful butterfly, and they're creating all these amazing things. You know what I found was an interesting stat that I realized lately is that um, what was the percentage? It's like ninety percent of podcasts. It might not be that high, but it's 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 kind of high. Quit after eight episodes. People just, and that's what you see in, a, in, a, in life. And that's why, like, Soul, you're going to see, comes through. He struggles at first. The Piggly Wiggly, Corn Saunders struggles at first. Sam Walton struggles at first. But they don't let that stop. They, they, you have to push through that those barriers. And, and you have to. It's not easy, but you have to push past it. So as you know, we use uh, Anchor, right? That's that's our one of our sponsors. It's the people we go through to help create yep. our podcast. You know, so uh, they were asking a question on their Instagram page. Uh, what do you do? to stay, you know, to, to, to keep production. Well, I can't remember what the exact question was, but essentially it is, what do you do to keep on going? And one of the things Justin said is, uh, me and me and my brother keep us, uh, keep each other honest, keep, and keep it honest. Yep. We always check on each other. Yep. We have a check system for each other. And we really do. 
We talk like five, six times a week minimum. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, 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 have you done this yet? Have you done that yet? Make sure yeah. that we're both doing what we're supposed to be yeah. doing. What are we looking for? Have you found anything in this yeah. area? Can oh, we okay, tweak it I like found that? Something. We, yeah. I don't know if it works. I want you to watch it. Okay, let me watch this. And it's like, that's the opener stuff. All right. Um, I've done this much research on this part. Can you cover this part? Or I got it. This is, I, you know, it's usually I tell him either I need help on this or I got it. This episode, Justin kind of uh, took the helm on it. He was on quarantine. So yeah. he, he was able to kind of, uh, and I'm glad I did. I found so much inspiration. Learned I was I was told Brad I was balls deep in Soul Price. Yeah. I was deep. Yeah, it takes hours. Like I I did two. <laughs> I only did two of the well, stores. He was just, he was it just took me like four or five hours just to do those two. And just and it just goes to show you guys it takes a lot of time, effort, and energy oh, yeah. that goes towards this. Well, it's and, not just and, us and Soul Price for two was hours. just he's just so he's just a person that you want to learn about if you want to be successful. Yeah. And and one more thing one more thing before we can we go back into Mom's Meats. Another example of being kind of taking people's ideas and, and building in to make them better is um, look at like, if you're a basketball fan, think of Kobe Bryant. A lot of people would make fun or not make fun of him, but would crit- uh, criticize him for just copying moves of other players. And he was like, so right. I do the moves. There's videos of him doing the exact same moves as Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player in the world. Why would you not want to do that? Yeah. There's, there's, there's videos of him learning from uh, Akima Olajuwon. Keep right. on, yeah. One of the greatest centers of all time. Say, and he's, and he's basically, he just basically <laughs> said, do you see the success that they had? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you learn from them, right? But then you yeah. create it and you make it your own way. You just yeah. build off of that. But why would you not want to yeah. do those things? Well, it's like, it, it's uh, Jeet Kune Do, which is the art of the intercepting fist, or the way of the intercepting fist, which is uh, Bruce Lee's uh, style of fighting, the one he created, right? Yep. He took fencing, he took American-style boxing, he took Wang Chun, and yeah. one other fighting style, and he and he formed their philosophies and their fighting styles to make his yeah. right, which is it is you use offense to as defense, okay. Yeah. But the way he came up with that was was through taking other philosophies, yeah, taking them, copying them, and then making him his own. And that's similar. So like our podcast and our YouTube channel, we are we have taken a lot of ideas from YouTube channel, and I'm still looking up YouTube channels to see how they do certain things. Yeah. But then we make it our own. Yes. We very much, and, and, and like Soul Price said, there's more than one way to do this. And we're going to go back to the mom's meats now and you're going to see that. So so we're going to dive back right back into the mom's meats, the, the thick and girthy mom's meats this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're long and thick and girthy. So it's yeah. like. And at, a, and at a discount price. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if, as we mentioned, it was, it was a department store that was meant for you as postal worker. Soul was excited. He was excited when he saw Fedco. He was like, this Boom. This is a brilliant idea. And not just because of the amount of people that are brought in, but he's like, of course, going to bring in those people. And Andrew helping out good people that are doing some good for for other people. Yes, I'm all in. So he talked to Fedco. He said, would you want to move in and expand in San Diego in our hangar? And Fedco said, nah, now nah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they said, we had no interest in expanding in San Diego. They were good in LA. They want to do any of that. And so Weiss and Saul were like, hey, hey, bro. You want to um, want to start our own Fedco? I mean, we can't use the same name, but we can drop Co and put Mart there. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and they created Fed Mart. You get no copyright <laughs> for that. No, because it's Fed Mart. It's different. Fed is the same, but how can you how can you copyright Fed? Yeah. So if they say, if they use if they use Fed Co, yeah. that's one thing. FedMart, and then they did a little bit different. To, so they opened in 1954. The biggest issue with FedMart, though, was not Fedco. It was the fair trade laws. So fair trade laws are laws that gave manufacturers the right to set and enforce minimal 
minimum selling prices for their product. So if other um, companies, they're selling really well and they want you to sell at this price, you have to sell at that price. And that made it very, very hard for discount stores. And this was a big issue for them. Those laws no longer exist. Um, the, the, the federal trade laws, which would be FTLA. Well, <laughs> uh, because well, the growth of the central part of the city of San Diego, manufacturers had no interest in helping Seoul because they already were kind of, I wouldn't say in bed with, but they already had really good relationships with other marts. They didn't want Seoul to be undercutting them, so they didn't want to work with them. So Seoul, again, once more looks to another business to learn how to navigate around this. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned, he's, he looks somewhere else. Corvettes. And he's and he has law experience behind him, so he's just like Well and he was doing all the law work pro bono. So one of my favorite yeah. one of my favorite startups. Well, I hope we do we do our airports our uh, airlines one day. Yeah. We will. The sure. founder 100%. there's no way. The founder and how Start Southwest with the white and work this way, come on. But the founder and how Southwest Airlines became what it is today. You wanna to talk about inspiring and like a, a, a testament to perseverance and what human and will American can do. Degree. Southwest Airlines. If you guys want to listen, there there is some other podcasts that do cover. But one day we will give it our own little flavor. Um, but Corvettes. So mm, EJK Corvette starts with a K. If you lived on the East Coast during the fifties and sixties, kind of like mom re- mom's meets pizzerita. Mom's meets pizzerita. <laughs> so EJ Corvettes, right? Starts with a K. It was launched in New York City by Eugene Furkoff in nineteen fifty four. What? Did you say Eugene to fuck off? No, Eugene fuck off. No, fuck off. Eugene fuck off. Fuck off. My favorite name of all time. <laughs> Eugene fuck off. You fuck off. Eugene fuck off. Corvettes. Hey, fuck off. Would you just tell him? No, that's my last name. <laughs> <laughs> so Corvettes was the first to um, challenge the fair trade requirements by shoppers to become members, right? So this was the first tour to to have their members. Are their their shoppers become members? Club members. It's clubs. So that they can navigate around the fair trade laws, and that's why you see like Costco. This is where it originated from. Was was uh, Corvettes in nineteen fifty four. That's where you get your cards, and you get your you get you you come in, scan in. Well, get you get discounts through different people, and then you're like, yeah, they, it spreads off that, and it brings in more customers. Um, this allowed Furkoff to discount his goods before manu- <laughs> below manufacturing prices, and in nineteen fifty four, he would open up a ninety thousand square foot store in Westbury, Long Island, near. Levittown. So Levittown was a bustling metropolis, becoming one. And um, Westbury was like right next to it. And he's like, boom, I got all this real estate in New York City, in, in Long Island. <clears throat> I'm going to build this ginormous warehouse. And they uh, would sell, they were like a modern series. So it carried furniture, houseware, clothing, sporting goods, electronics, and mostly music. Like they're really known for like their, their assortment of music and records and all that different oh. stuff. So, so Corvette would last until December of 1980 after it ceased operations due to bankruptcy. It yeah, just didn't expand well enough. The, and they, the, their name, Corvette. No, it starts with a K, so it's not like Corvette with a C. But it just didn't expand. It didn't adapt. <laughs> that's all the difference. Yeah. It, it, didn't, it didn't adapt or change. That's what it is. But it did, it did introduce the membership. I can't see the difference, K. Okay? Yep. But you can think... <laughs> So you can think like Sam's Club and 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 the membership prices and the discounts and all those different things. You can thank Corvettes for starting it because of fair trade laws. So Price stole it and then they kind of took it from sole price um, later on. Fedmart, continue, we'll go back to it, um, is a discounted department store for government employees only initially. So going against traditional store hours, Sol uses hours to best suit and clientele because he wanted to really work for his employees and his clientele. Uh, they opened from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Monday through Friday. They had shorter hours on Saturday, and they did not open on Sunday. Uh, Price got eight friends to invest in the idea, and then they got the rest of the money from his law firm and bought the membership store um, for life. 
Right. So they brought the membership store to life. There Sorry. I, I, I knew you were going to get there. I was just going to let you get there. Um, this was this was awesome. I wish I could do this for Costco. It was $2 per family yeah. to get a membership through. Yeah. That'd be a life change, like 60 bucks. Yep. Uh, Fedmart would later sell gasoline at a wholesale price, becoming the first to do this as well. So that's when you start to see uh, gasoline come into it. Fedmart did not plaster his brands all over his product, like you see at Costco nowadays in Sam's Club. Um, but FM Cola, right now, you see like Kirkland's, it's kind of in the corner. He did the same thing with FM. So it's like Fedmart. Fedmart Cola and other such brands were moved into the fray. Uh, so also did not believe in wasting his money on advertising when word of mouth was far more powerful, right? Because Costco doesn't advertise. They don't. Um, but they do word of mouth. He instead used his money to pay his employees well and continue to improve his product. Because if you have a really good product, you continue to build on it, people will start talking, they'll start spreading. And I mean, obviously Costco is what it is today. Uh, Sam Walton would steal the market name again the, for Walmart in admiration for Seoul. 1963, Fedmart no longer operated as a members-only store and was open to the public. 1975, Fedmart was sold to Germany, a German re retailer, now, that didn't stay true to the ideals that Seoul had impressed upon the business, and Fedmart went under uh, eight years later. So he, so this was it wasn't that he sold it to, to Germany. He, he there was a company in Germany that he really liked the way they did it. So he went out there and he was starting to discuss with them, um, and he kind of got lazy because you'll see not necessarily lazy sole price. I, no, lazy is the wrong word. I'm sorry, uh, all the sole price membership clubs out there that I'm a part of, uh, fan club. Um, he he was always thinking ahead and he was always thinking about a million different things and how he wanted to do things and his mind was always trying to grow in advance and he didn't pay enough attention to this deal as he should have and ended up getting um, fired and undercut from his own business in FedMart because of the language and the wording in the contract whenever he sold or whenever he went into partnership with this company from Germany uh, and, and shame on them and the karma kind of bit them because they, they tanked fast. Uh, one quick side note which I thought was a really cool story and this is what you see now today as well uh, so, so you, wait, hold on, hold on real quick. So you're saying he was cut from his own business because some dirty underhanded Germans. Yeah. In the seventies. I guess it was post year yeah. World War two. And it wasn't even like it was because Germany is just under dirty businessman doing dirty business yeah. practices. Yeah. But I, 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 I didn't, I didn't think about it. It was in the seventies. So it would be post year World War two. But if it was like prior, yeah. I'd have been like. <laughs> yeah, but it paid it, it, it a bit of money. Yes. So that's the case. Um, uh, initially, FedMart struggled to really build a whole lot of like they did really they did well, but they didn't do as well. And they he went to a like a business bureau and he was asking people like, um, how could we help you? All those different things. And it was the San Diego Credit Union, I believe it was for FedMart. I, I was having trouble finding it again. I found it. He the guy said he's like, we can offer the membership to our our clientele, right? Cause you go to a credit union to get discounts anyways, or like help you out. Right. For people that want to learn how to, to, to better control their money, help their credit and stuff like that. That's where you use the credit union for. That's what it's supposed to be used for. So the, the credit union offered the membership to their clientele, their clientele it blew up. They gave them a free membership for a year. They loved it. They started telling people. And then that was kind of all it took and it went off. And uh, that was a big part of it. But then again, they, New business came in. They started to not take care of their clientele. Started to brand more. They started to give advertising. They didn't take care of their employees. There is so much thing as branded. Yeah, yeah. yeah like they were like, think about um, the think about the going to the moon of of GameStop, right? How it's just going to the moon. That's what FedMart was doing. It was going to the moon, and then think if like Robinhood forced everyone to sell all their stuff, which they thought about doing some dirty stuff and it just like went straight down. That's exactly what happened to Fed Mart. Yeah, they were trying to crash it, which was 
And then they were like, yeah, we're going to let limited buying now. It's <laughs> yeah, like, no. you and they got called out and freaking got hammered by the media. It was like, you were tools. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was um, ridiculous. So I'm, I'm probably going to move to Binance or to, there's another one that I'll probably move to here soon. Uh, Thinkorswim by TD Ameritrade. I, I might move to that. Hmm, get out of, move get to, out of Robin. Let me know. Send, yep. me, send me a yep. link and then we both can get some sort of promotion, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll work it out because, yeah, Robinhood we're not really happy with right now. Mm. Uh, Fedmart's success allowed Seoul to open up a price club with his son, though. So he was able to make enough money. And this is where price club became the real official um, that that led to Costco. So uh, it, it cost Seoul $2.3 million to open up the store in 1975. He was let go, fired from his own company at Fedmart. He said, screw you. Screw you guys. I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to open up my own store. And he opened up Price Club. And uh, $2.3 million. So $800,000 came from his own pocket. $1 million came from local SoCal small business companies that didn't want to work for the new ownership of FedMart. Really. So by this point, they sold Price had sold himself to all of them. And they were all in with Seoul. So they, they decided to work with him, donate a million dollars to it. And it was all small businesses, which is awesome. And then 500k came from FedMart employees who left FedMart and wanted to work with him in Price Club. So they basically all abandoned the new ownership group in, in FedMart, which is a big reason why they, they plummeted as quick as they did. Uh, 2.3 million, by the way, if it was done today, so 2.3 million in 1975 would be uh, 11 million 135,505 dollars and 58 cents today. So wow. yeah, so I mean, to for small businesses to come up with that and employees and for himself to come up with that money is extremely impressive uh, extremely impressive price club was to be a one-stop shop for businesses that were ju- looking for just slightly higher than wholesale prices uh, the first store opened its doors in 1976 the store was a great success and by the time it merged with costco in 1993 it had 100 stores across the country and was making uh eight billion dollars annually in sales so doing really really well Jeez. Yeah, um, Soul Price would end up merging with Costco again. He stepped away from the business, and he was already trying to step away from the business. He he, so he did law, conquered that. He started to to build FedMart, conquered that. He started to build Price Club, which was more of a club started thing. He conquered that, and then whenever he was doing that, he learned about um, real estate and like buying and flipping properties and all those different things. And then he created a a huge empire as far as real estate goes to. Mm. So he created his third after he was done with with with. Price Club, so, so could just third empire. So Price Club is Costco is essentially Price Club. Yeah, mm. yep, kind of. They're they're real similar in a lot of ways, but we'll get into it. But I mean, a lot well, of they what, merged and then after that, a lot of what Costco is comes from 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 Price, from Club. Price Club. But Soul Price, I mean, Soul Price created three dynasties and had a law degree in practice on top of it. Yeah, I bet, <laughs> I bet. I believe about this. That guy deserves some limited BJ's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to jump out of this, and then we're going to talk about Costco, BJ's, and Target after I see if Brandon can figure this shit out. Nope. You ready to F-T-S-O-B? U-S-O-B? No. No. <laughs> no, I don't want it. There's one more. There's, I don't want it. Okay, sorry. I did four again. Because oh, there's just, I don't want it. The facts are too good. Your facts are too good. I'm afraid it's going to be easy for I'm you to find it. I'm afraid you're going to be easy for you to find it. You're paying me. I'm afraid you get, it's going to be easier for you to find, though, because the, the facts are just so good, it's hard to come up with one that, that matches it. so good, it's hard to come on. I don't know how to respond to that. I can give you a couple options. <laughs> okay, so... Um, that shit out, Justin. FTSOB, USOB. <laughs> fact number one. Okay, go ahead. Okay, fact number one. Costco is famous for its... Penises. Exactly, hot dogs. Famous for 
<laughs> it worked out perfect. Yep. <laughs> Costco first served their hot dog in 1985, right? Okay. Uh, where you can get a hot dog and a soda for the legendary price of a dollar fifty, and it's legendary because that's still the price that you can get a hot dog and yep. a soda for a dollar fifty. They're big hot dogs. They're delicious. From too. 1985, they first when well, they first Those are good to now. Yeah, no, they're they're they sell uh, a lot of them. They sell over a hundred million per what year. What I love to do is get a slice of Zaw and then a hot dog and a drink. Yep. They should be sold for three sixty five a piece, but they're sold for a dollar fifty. And they sell over 100 million of them, and they lose money on it. But you know why? Do you know why they still sell for $1.50? For integrity? Nope. One, one, they stopped using Hebrew National because they're trash, and they built a plant to produce their own Kirkland brand, but that doesn't really matter. They just kind of did that. Because there's there's Kirkland stores, too. They're owned by Costco, right? Yeah, I don't know. Two, when the president and CEO, Craig Jelinek, went to Jim Siegel, the founder. Jake Gyllenhaal? Craig Jelinek. Okay, sorry. Went to the founder... Jim Senegal, he, to tell him that they need to raise their prices, he responded with, if you raise the F in hot dog, I will kill you. Figure it out. Really? So they keep it at $1.50 to he this really day. He really said that? Well, maybe. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Oh, my God. I hope so. Uh, okay. Fact number two. I hope that's a truth fact. Fact number two. So Clarence Sanders, I love the guy. Love this guy. I'd probably hate him if I knew him, but I love learning about this guy, right? He's the owner, <laughs> the founder of Piggly Wiggly. I hope he told um, me. You better fucking keep it there. You know how I he bet st- that's the false one, but so I want it to be real. I might pick another one just because I don't <laughs> want it to not be in the bit. Go ahead, keep going. So fact number two, Clarence Saunders. Remember, right? He created Piggly Wiggly. Uh-huh. He created the 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 Clarence Saunders sole owner of this store, um, right? Yeah. He he <laughs> bought a football team in Memphis at this time, and he named them the Clarence Saunders sole owner of my Tigers. <clears throat> They would play the Packers and the Bears. They would go visit them in Memphis. They would be invited to the NFL. He turned them down because he didn't want to share revenue and he didn't want his team to travel. The Great Depression hit. He lost his team. He lost his stores, everything, and they never joined the NFL. That one sounds like complete bullshit. Fact number three. I mean, just that that guy and the way his attitude was before, like that, I could see it happening, but I don't think that one's real. But go ahead. Fact number three. Sole Price, known for really his interacting with his clientele, right, and his employees, really well taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time he fooled all of his employees by telling them that the parking lot was closed, and they made, he made them search for parking all around the town. And then whenever they, they walked to go to work that day, they saw a perfect parking lot with Price parked in the middle of it, and uh, he had a good fund at all their expenses. <laughs> of course, they, they get away with it because they really, really like Soul Price. Yeah. But yeah, he made them... If my boss did that too, I'd be like, you... You, All right. you have to have a good, you have to have a good relationship with your employees to get away with something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a stunt that you just and, and he yeah. did, so he could yep. do. And yep. he said he seemed like they had that personality to be able to do yep. that one. I do, I do think yep. might be a true fact. Okay, uh, fact number four, the last one. Sam Walton once promised his employees that he would do the hula on Wall Street uh, if the company reached a certain pet point of profit in one of his years. Uh, they did so, right? And Walton did the dance on Wall Street. He did the hula dance. He did the hula dance on Wall Street. Who is this? Sam Walton. In 1984. Like the book? He... Anyways, he did the hula dance. There was like hula girls, everything. Like it, it was like televised. The media got a hold of it. Um, so those are my four facts. Do you think you can FTSOB, USOB? I don't know. There's three of them that I'm, I'm conflicted against. I really love these facts. I really do. They're all great. They are. They're all great. If even you hope some of them are right. I hope all of them are right. 
I hope all of them. I don't want any of them to be wrong. I know. I know. I love this. Was one of my favorite ones. All right, Ben, before we jump back into Costco, right, because Price Club turns to Costco, yeah. uh, you're going to give us blowjob instructions. Yes, correct? I'm going to explain how to give a thoroughly, deliciously derived, derivative, delectable, delicatessen of a blowjob. Yeah, because you don't want to just, you want to drain all of them. Yeah, yeah. And sorry about all the long words. I just like having D in my mouth. <laughs> All right. Anyways, um, we're just gonna do it's 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 not a long timeline for for DJs, so yep. you know it doesn't take that long if you do it right. <laughs> so to tell a tale of BJ's blow cell, oh sorry, uh, wholesale. First, you have to tell us you have to you have to start with Zuri. She had an older brother who was the king of a civilization by the name of Wakanda, and he was in fact the Black Panther. Wait, wait, it's a uh, Zairi. It's which is Z A Y R E, um, and Zaire Zaire was a chain of discount stores that had operated in the eastern half of the United States from 1956 to 1990. In October of 88, the parent company called Zaire Corp sold the store to the competing Ames Department Stores Incorporated, right? The, which is Ames, yeah. yeah. So, um, in by June of 89, the Zane Corp merged with one of the subsidiaries, the T. TJX Companies, which is the parent company of TJ Maxx. By 90, they fl- uh, the few remaining stores that had retain- retained the name, they had to change it to AIM Store or they were closed permanently. TJX is also uh, in Coots, our subsidiary, are the, the main parent company of Sears and, and various stores like that, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, the, yeah, the Wabi, Wabi Wayban, and, and like Home Base and Home uh, Goods. Yeah, um, home goods, good which stores, well, yeah. yeah, it'd be it'd be well, it'd be home club, and then it'd go to home base and home. Club. We'll get there, yeah. anyways. Um, so some of the stores were turned into uh, you know, BJ houses where people would go in, they would just get BJs one after another. No, uh, <laughs> actually, uh, it BJ didn't doesn't stand for blowjob. It actually doesn't stand for uh, bronze jerky, as you might think. Like I know that's your first thought. It's like I know it's not blowjob. It has to be bronze jerky. Uh, it's actually Beverly Jean. Um, in 84 is when, uh, Zyre would, that was the, on the Manford Mellon, Mel, Malden border in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, I can't say Mass, Massachusetts, there you go, was bought by one Marvin Witch. The aforementioned Beverly Jean was his daughter. That's where the name comes from. So it was the guy, Marvin Witch, his daughter's name, Beverly Jean, that's where the name BJ comes from. And she, I guess she gave really good head. Anyways, <laughs> although only <laughs> that's that would be really tough. I mean, I think if it hadn't to not have been known for that, it probably at wasn't the time. that kind of term. Yes. Yeah, at the time. Yes, um, and and then you got to imagine. Um, well, it was eighties. So people were giving, you know, giving people giving head. I mean, it's kind of hairy down there. Extremely yeah, but weird. it had to have been not known as BJ for the time because yeah, Beverly Jean then to name your store BJ's after her. Hey, that would be a rough one to sell. Like if I was to name. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Beverly Jean, yeah. which is a great name until you hyphen it or until you acronym it. Anyways, initial it, initial. There you go. Although only starting BJ's in '84, by 1987, Marvin stepped down as president and was replaced by a man named John Levy. So he was only president for three years after he started the company. Okay? Yeah. When TJ Max uh, or when TJX Company was formed in '89, BJ became one of their 
warehouse divisions, right? So there was multiple warehouse divisions. This is one of them. One of the other warehouse divisions was called Home Club. Like I said, it changed the name to Home Base and then later House to Home. Um, they came together to form Wayband Incorporated. Um, by 97, Wayband spun off BJ's. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't be serious, I can't. Uh, yeah, spun yeah. off some BJ's and did some twisty twist, slop <laughs> lock, ju- slop top, mop top, tw- through 33,000. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. you, you, you having fun with this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, become, so they spun off of BJ's to become an independent company, BJ's Wholesale Club Incorporated. The headquarters in Nantucket, Massachusetts, changed their name from Wayman to Home Base Incorporated as well. So that that's the only time that's all that was left of Home Base was now the the actual headquarters, which I thought was cool. Nice. Um, in 2011, BJ's was bought by two private equity firms, Leonard Green and Partners, and CVC Capital Partners. A lot of people wanted some BJ's. Wanted to get in on those BJ's. So they I mean, want some two. They wanted two private BJ's. I mean, they're like. They're well-known BJ's, so you can, you know they got to be... Yeah, and they wanted a private. That's yeah. what they wanted for for just at least like seven years because by 2018, it became public again. Yeah. We know this is very poor comedy. I know. But we, you just can't help it. We can't help ourselves. You should know this by now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a low-hanging fruit. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I know. So we just got to suckle on that egg, eggplant. You know what I'm saying? Back to mom's meats. <laughs> the next year, <laughs> BJ's expanded to Michigan, and now everybody in Michigan will be getting ahead. But before oh, the yeah. end of the year, three separate locations were added. Uh, by the summer of last year, BJ's had 216 clubs in 17 different states and employed about 25,000 team members, which include all full-time and part-time workers. You know, because you need some, you need some relievers. <laughs> an idiot. States holding clubs uh, in, currently include Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts. Delaware, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, and Michigan. Lucky sons of bitches. Yeah, lucky sons of bitches. Okay, let's see Arizona. What's on that list? <laughs> let's jump out of let's jump out of BJ's though, because BJ's is a well known. That's how BJ's came about. Uh, let's dive back to Costco. We're gonna go back to Jim uh, Senegal and his days with, with Fed. Co, Fed yep. Mart, and then and, and so I'll be turning it back over to Justin. Yep. Go uh, ahead, Justin. So Jim Senegal wanted to go to medical school. Although he tested really well, his grades were average, and he was convinced by his teachers to just instead attend mm-hmm. the San Diego State Junior College. What did he test for, HIV? No, for for like his MCATs. Well, I'm sure was like he, SATs not, and ACTs. Was he not sure? Was he HIV positive? Instead... <laughs> He went to San Diego State Junior College, and in 1954, while attending San Diego State University, SDSU, uh, he became a bagger at the local Fed Mart. So why in college, he became a bagger at Fed Mart. Um, this guy, bag lady. This guy's a, a billionaire now, by the way. Uh, when he was promoted, he would leave school and become a protege of sorts to Sol Price, learned from a lot from him, who helped to raise him through the ranks. Price recalled his time with Sol, and what he learned from him anyways when created a store, is we try to look at everything from the standpoint of, is it really being honest with our customers? Which is an awesome philosophy to have. Are you being honest with your customers, or are you being honest with your employees? The whole sneaky lie things, I don't give a yeah, why people... freaky between the cheeky. I don't give a why my employers still try to do that. I mean, most of these things, especially if they're public companies, they're pu- it's public knowledge. You're going to have employees, and when you find out, it just makes you look bad. Uh, so Costco really tries not to do this. Same with Soul Price and Price Club. They did not want to do that. In 1979, Senegal 
moved with Price to work uh, and went back to work for Price Club. So he stayed with FedMart for like three, four years underneath the new owners. And then he was out of there, went to work for for, for Soul Price again at Price Club. 1983, Senegal left Price again, left under his umbrella, and moved to Seattle to found Costco Wholesale Corporation with fellow entrepreneur Jeffrey Brotman. Uh, Costco Ooh. was able to... Brotman. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a Brotman. Mm. Notice that mustard on your holster. I noticed it, too. <laughs> I'm going to uh, cook out there. Do some, do some bad, bad juicy brats. Yep. Stay close. We're going to run some reds. <laughs> <laughs> that is a How I Met Your Mother reference. Yeah, we stuck to the police officer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Costco was able to keep his price at a good price by keeping sales staff uh, keeping sales staff to a minimum, store fixtures, and backup inventory, again, to a minimum. So he didn't hire a whole lot of people because you don't need a whole lot of people when you're in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fixtures, if you've ever been to a Costco, you know this. It's a concrete floor. It's easy to clean, easy to maintain. Mm-hmm. You have your, your aisles are big, but everything's on pallets. They don't they don't make it a big display for you. Mm-hmm. It's as minimal as possible. They just want to get the product out into the floor so you can see them. Yeah. And they and don't have a backup because it is the warehouse already. You're yeah. already in the and warehouse. I, so I worked at the warehouse here at our mine. We have a warehouse for our parts. You know, yep. we got they got to know what parts to get and have it available, right? There's stuff breaking down all the time. You got to fix it. So um, I worked at the warehouse and yeah, cement, same thing, cement floors, uh, huge two racks full of of, uh, of parts throughout the throughout the place and uh, then there's lay down yards after lay down yard after lay down yard um and yeah it's just easy it's exposed everything's accounted for all the time you're always taking inventory um as you're taking things off putting it back on the shelves you take an inventory um it's that's just how it, that's how it works it's very minimal there's not much to it but at the same time there's a shit ton to it but that's not for the customer to to worry about that's for the you know the employee person that is the the warehouseman to do their job to make sure that their accounts are all right and yep. and the and to get the customer the parts that they need or the the stuff they need yep whereas that, costco is a little different yeah costco they don't they don't have any extra inventory like i said what you see on the floor is what they have yeah and and they, that's, that's and the same thing with the warehouse here what you see on the floor is what they yep. have and so that's and that's a way of them keeping their costs down so that they can pay their employees more to keep their employees happy wanting to do their job well and also to keep their 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 profits up, but they, they don't they don't advertise. They do it to keep their what they put out there top in line mm-hmm. and as good as they can do. Because the Kirkland brand, I mean the Kirkland brand stuff is just as good as name brand stuff, if not better sometimes. Their Kirkland diapers are my favorite diapers. Kirkland does they do things really well and they're for a wholesale discount. I don't so know, price. Yeah, anybody knows this, you know, especially long time listeners. We both have kids. I have a seventh going on eight month old and he he goes through diapers. That's what they do. That's what babies do. They poop and they pee. And the Kirkland diapers, primo. Primo, my favorite diapers. For sure. 100, 100%. Yeah, but they, they, and so, yeah, the Kirkland, well, so I've heard, I like hard sales. We've talked about it. For the Kirkland ones are really good, so I need to try those out next time I go to to Costco. Um, He also learned quickly that customers were willing to purchase higher end consumer goods and bulk goods associated with discount warehouse because it's part of Costco, they're willing to pay because they're already there. So he was able to, to do some more of those things. In 1995, Kirkland's signature was introduced. Uh, Senegal realized that about half of his products in his UK markets were store brand. So um, were other store brands. So 
they were buying most of their products to sell to people. How do you keep your product down if you, you don't even sell your own stuff? And he yeah, wanted to change that. Down. Then he bring the product up again. Yep. Never going to keep it down. Get the product down. <laughs> <laughs> so they were able to do Kirkland because it, it, all over the world. So now they can make their own products and serve it all over the world. We're having, having to buy from what you, different what you countries. Just talk over my song? Did you just like Chumbawamba? No, Chumbawamba. Prick's canceled on me again. Mm. Yeah, get knocked down. Get back get up again. <laughs> uh, he wanted to change th- this by his own brand naming it Seattle Signature as a, a nod to the city where they started. Uh, he didn't want to blast the Costco name over everything, kind of like Soul Price, right? He didn't want to put Price Mart on everything. He put PM and it was subtle. As you see with, with Kirkland, it's kind of subtle. Uh, so he he wanted to create a, the brand that's opposite or that's separate from it. Uh, his days at FedMart, Price Book, on this. They did not improve. They didn't improve. Uh, they didn't improve. They didn't approve. <laughs> that's what I meant to put there. They did not approve the name. They didn't want it to be Seattle Signature. They didn't want it to be Snow of Seattle. Seattle's already a name in itself. They didn't want to get lost in the fray. So they changed it to Kirkland after a small city northeast of Seattle, which is home to the eighth ever or eight, the the eighth Costco warehouse. So Kirkland's it is a city as a nod to the where the area, but it's a more recognizable name because if you said Seattle say Seattle Signature, I feel like that would get caught in the fray. This is a really good marketing move from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2003, the Cult of Costco was able to renew uh, get a renewal rate cult of, of members. Curious? Well, they called it the Cult of Costco at the time it was growing, but it had a renewal rate of 86%, which oh, is wow. phenomenal. Yeah. And, huge. It get, and it gets better. So they have 592 stores in 2011. Now in 2020, they have 792 95 stores worldwide. To this day, and this is based on an article from MontleyFool.com, which is legit. I had to look it up. It's full. It's called Fool.com, but apparently it's a legitimate website. So I, I researched it and I, I learned more about it. Uh, in June of 2020, after the second quarter, Costco saw a 91% renewal rate of its U.S. shoppers, up from 90.9% Son of a bitch. it did in the previous three quarters. Well, I'll be damned. Motley Fool, yep. Yeah, it's stocks and yep. it's 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 information all about, wow. Yeah, it's a good website. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I had a fact check to make sure that it was, but it is. It's legit. Yeah, I was like, he's, he's fooling on me right now. <laughs> That's what happened. I'm the fool for thinking this might even be real. Control yep. T, F-O-O-L dot com. Oh shit! Yep, but it's, it's for real. But it's impressive. So uh, June of 2020, as you know, that's like right when everything just shut down. They still had a renewal rate of 91. percent It was higher than it was in 2019, where they were killing it, yeah. which was 90.9 percent, which yeah. is amazing. Uh, the global renewal rate is held at 88.4 percent, still incredible. Way, way above that. Yeah, that's way above that. Yeah, Costco counted 55.8 million dollars from members households uh in the second quarter of 2020 costco made 815 million from its membership fees uh 80 or 69 percent of its operating income so i'm sorry it, it counted 55.8 million really members. the membership fees are 69 percent of its that's how much they're getting they make a discount on all their stuff from memberships yep. that's how you that's how people so if you really want to make money it's from memberships if you like it's like disneyland they, they, they had the pass holder went away people were complaining about it it's my wife I know pass holders are coming back because the best way to ensure that you have money is based on people that are recurring customers. If you, That's why people do Patreon. Like eventually we'll get to a Patreon account. That's how you make sure that you're going to have money because if you have those – that most people count that as their operating cost because everything you make on top of that can be extra. But you know you're going to have that, right? Yeah. Your recurring customers. So it's huge for them. Yeah, they make they make most of their money, the right, 69% of their money from – Membership fees, mm-hmm. which is incredible. You just realized? Yep. It was 69%. Yeah. Just realized, it, put that two, two together. I was checked by the BJs earlier. I didn't realize you can, you can yep. give some VJs, you know? 
Yeah, but in the second quarter of 2020, again, where they should, you thought there would have been a sharp decline, they made $815 million. In 2019, the same quarter, they made $776 million, so they did better. Uh, Senegal still visits every Costco warehouse every year, giving its his employees a chance to speak to their CEO directly. Again, something learned from Soul Price. Take care of your employees. Take care of your clientele. They'll take care of you. It's worked out pretty damn well so far. Uh, continuing in what Price did with taking care of his employees, uh, cashier at Costco could earn up to $40,000 per year after four years of service. A typical cashier makes sixteen dollars to $28,000 per year, according to payscale.com, and that's making an average of $10.12 per hour, or $10.12 an hour. Uh, obviously, that's going up with the minimum wage prices going up, but still, I mean, his, his cashiers are making almost double what a normal cashier is making hmm. if you give him four years of service. I'm going to give you four years of service. So, it just, I mean, Costco... The how they run their business, I was really really impressed with with how they did those things. Yeah, yeah. I and uh, I was talking to Justin before we, we were rolling. I would love, uh, you know, if life circumstances comes to it, and I need a job. I would love to work for Costco. I would for sure. Me yeah. too. Yeah. They they don't hire a whole lot, as we mentioned. They they keep their um, employee number low so they can keep their prices low. They try to do as much as they can to keep their prices low for their members. Yeah. So if you are a member of Costco, they do whatever they can to make sure that you know, the you product see. is good and they, they do not budge on raising prices. And then if you if you go work for them, they do whatever they can to keep you. Yep. And if they do raise Retention. prices, and if they do raise prices, it's because they literally had no other option. Yeah. Right? I mean, $1.50 for hot dogs since 1985. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Yep. And yeah. the, so that's that's the. And those are some good wieners. Oh yeah, so the the that's the history of the the club membership warehouse stores and and those are the superstores in that regard. Let's bounce back to another store that's similar to Walmart. In go ahead and hit the target, Brandon. Oh, you're gonna pay the target on my way back. Mm, yep. <laughs> See how this relationship works. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's go ahead and head down back to 1881, native New Yorker. George D. Dayton decides to explore the growing Midwest markets after several years in banking and real estate. In 1902, he found himself in Minneapolis and seen it fit with fertile grounds. So he purchases, excuse me, land on Nicolette Avenue and builds the Dayton Dry Goods Company. Well, not quite, right? So he actually partners with another man in, in what's called Goodfellows Dry Goods Company. But by the next year, he would be the sole owner and change the name to Dayton's Dry Goods. Okay, nice. Yeah. So um, 1911 rolls around. With the great uh, growth over the last decade, the store's name has changed again to the Dayton Company to reflect its wide assortment of goods and services. However, it had become commonly known as Dayton's Department Store. That's what the street folk would call it, right? Oh, yeah. Because he became probably well known amongst yeah his exactly yeah. because he's he has good prices and he's he's local and you know yeah he's approachable he's a nice guy yeah, yeah it's a it's a good place so he just Dayton's department store yeah. instead of calling it the Day, Dayton to com- the Dayton company let's go down to the Dayton company let's go down to the Dayton's department store real quick let's grab some shit nice um, 1918 Mr Dayton does something awesome and starts the Dayton Foundation with a one million dollar endowment and a purpose to aid in promotion the well promote yeah, aid in promotion of the welfare of mankind anywhere in the world, right? So it's a worldwide uh, relief fund I, in, in, a, in a sense. It was renamed Dayton Hudson Foundation later on in 1969. 1938, George D. Dayton died, and his son, George N. Dayton, takes his place. Eight years later, the company established the practice of giving 5% of pre-tax profits back to the community. 
This makes them the second American company to establish a present preset amount of annual giving. And you're going to see as we go down through this timeline that Target does a lot of good. I talked about them earlier, I believe, talking about them, comparing them to Mars Wrigley or Wrigley Mars. Yeah. Um, so they're yeah they're constantly doing charitable things. That's why we I, we really like diving into the stories. Like the characters in the story yeah, are just not, generally good people. You're like not all rich people are pieces of shit. Yeah, and they they're, they're they're business rich people, and they weren't greedy. They weren't yeah no. And this guy he was already well off before he started this company. He just made him even more rich, right? And yep. he gave back. Um, and you got to imagine some of it is for uh, tax write offs. But after a certain point, like, it's more. They're, they're spending way more than they would get written off. Like, it's, there's no way. This makes them oh, – uh, I already said – within the, within, with the 1950s comes the division of power amongst the grandchildren of the original founder, with George N. D- Dayton's son, Donald C. Dayton, sitting on top. And there's a bunch of names. I wasn't going to read them all. The Dayton Company finally expands out of the downtown Minneapolis in 1954 when a full line of Dayton is established in Rochester, Minnesota. To meet the needs of buyers, busy suburban, suburban, thank you. To meet the needs of busy suburban families, the company moves out of the suburbs of Minneapolis with the opening of Southdale Mall. And you're going to see a lot of uh, Dale. So, Dale similar, so like, similar to like Sam Walton, they move to where the people are, not in the middle of the city. Same yeah. thing with Costco and all of them did as well. Yeah. Which is the nation's first fully enclosed shopping center. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, South Del Mall nice. in Minneapolis. Um, this would be an unheard of big step in a big direction, placing them under the same roof as their top competitors, right? And I'd say, not necessarily sailing the not necessarily sailing the selling the same stuff. But they are other department stores that are selling top of the chain. You know, the top of the food chain. He puts himself in the right same place as them. And so that way he can sell his goods, right? Over the next 20 years, they would open three more shopping centers. Uh, Brookdale in 1962, which is in Brookdale, Minnesota. Rosedale in 1969, which is in Roseville, Minnesota. Ridgedale in 1974, which is in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Minnetonka. Minnetonka. <laughs> Why don't you bathe yourself in the rivers of Lake Minnetonka? Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's from uh, the Prince Skit and Sproul Show. Yep. I love it. Yep. Great. <laughs> uh, on May 1st of 1962, off into the Twin Cities area, the city was awakened to a big fucking target on their motherfucking backs. Macy's, TJ Maxx, Walmart, and Big, and the Kmart brands came together to bring the motherfucking rain down. Wait, 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 wait. It's, uh, it's just uh, Target's first grand opening in Roseville, Minnesota. Sorry for that, guys. Um, Harold is a, a new idea and discount uh, stores. Again, sorry for that. 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> Target opens its first store outside of Minnesota and Denver metro area. Uh, within two years, they would expand to St. Louis, Dallas, and Houston. The bullseye logo design is revamped into something more poignant. Nice. Within the seventy, with it, with the seventies, Dayton Hudson begins to observe Earth Day by giving out pine trees. Observes, yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're laughing at? 
<laughs> I was like, oh, no S. Um, so yeah, they would give out pine trees. Okay, so they were they were given a guest and supporting team members who volunteered to plant trees and clean parks in Minnesota, Missouri, Colorado, and Oklahoma. Uh, by '75, Target stores became the number one revenue producer of the Dayton Hudson Corps. Right, of all their subsidiaries, yeah, uh, Target was their best one. The same year, Target begins to advertise weekly in the paper. So they do their weekly advertisements, and I think there would be like coupons and stuff like that in it. Um, Target stores rejoice as it hits its $1 billion milestone, and they celebrate by holding big sales for customers. <laughs> it's like, thank you for giving us a billion dollars. You can save more money on us, um, <laughs> which is like awesome. That's a good, it's a good way instead of making things more expensive, right? So they yeah. get more greedy, they get a little less greedy, The the which in turn gets them more money, right? It's that kind of that flow. It's a eco not uh, economics one oh one, not economics. Yeah. Eco that's our sister Lulu Kaspulu. Oh, that is her. Yeah. yeah. Happy yep. birthday, Lulu. Because we're recording this on your birthday. You yep. don't tell anybody else what day it is, but we love you, Lulu. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's still a young lady though. Uh, <laughs> our only sister. So oh well, for now. Yeah. We're about to we're about to have another sister out of the family. via marriage. Yeah. Via yeah. mirage. Yep. Uh, you're via marriage. Your vagina mirage. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, the last of the Dayton steps down in 1983, ending 80 years of direct blood ties. Uh, the same year, the first targets begin to pop up in Southern California. 1988, targets begin to open in Sp Pacific Northwest, just as the barcode system started to take place. Nice. On April 30th, 89, Target opens 30 new stores in Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida, becoming a national retailer with stores from coast to coast. All right, so not long after your, uh, or right before, who knows, I don't remember. Uh, Target uh, opens up 11 stores in 1993 in the Chicago metropolitan area in one day. The first Target store credit card known as the Target Guest Card, launches in 1995. Just before the turn of the century, Target launches Target.com, allowing guests to shop a wide assortment of fashionable, affordable merchandise from their comfort of their own homes. Also, at this time, they start selling their gift cards with Bullseye the Dog on them, who had also just started his campaign that same year. So they, they Bullseye the Dog had his campaign, not long into it, they put gift cards and they put his picture right on it. Yeah. Right. And this is, like, goes back to like perfect branding is. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you put my face on anything. Yep. It's perfect. Yep. Make it to a dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Call Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon Bullseye. His last name's Bullseye. That's why they call him Bullseye the dog. Nice. Anyways, uh, <laughs> with the turn of Millennium Dayton Hudson Corp, it is renamed to Target Corp. Nice. Right. So they shortened it up. Uh, the Target. The Target weekly ad moves from the paper to Target.com. So now you can go to Target.com and you get their weekly ads and their and their their coupons. What are they discounting on? All that good stuff. 2005, Target has grossed over 50 billion in annual sales. Over the next five years, Target expands its inventory and its cam ad campaigns begin to get more intricate, such as C Spot Save, their which are discount racks, uh, Go International, which is their fashion drive, right? They're, they're putting more into fashion. Yep. They start getting into the pharmacy business. They start making premium meat brands, premium chocolate brands. They get uh, they change the way that their shopping carts look, and even the way that the Target the Corp's credit card looks. They just they just revamp everything. And you know what? actually. I don't mind Target's clothes. They have some good stuff. No, it's not bad. Yep. Yeah, it's stuff. not bad. I, I don't go there very often just because there's none close here. Yeah. But whenever... When we go to uh, the city, we go to Target, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I'll go over over them. Target and Costco. Over oh, yeah. Walmart. Yeah. yeah. If, I don't, if it's between Target and Costco. I mean, Target and Walmart, it's Target. It's Target, yeah. But we just, that's what we have close, so we usually go to Walmart. Yeah. For that reason. Only that reason, because there's that's small it. town living. Yeah. <laughs> By 09, they have, they even open locations in Hawaii on the islands of Oahu and the Big Island. It's how it's pronounced, Hawaii. I know it is. You, of course, you're the guy that would say that. Yeah, because it's not supposed to be said. Show some goddamn respect, Justin. <laughs> All right. Ohana means family. <laughs> well, family family means nobody gets left behind yeah. or forgotten. I was, I was going to say some... I'll leave it alone. I was going to do this to his voice, but I, I don't know if it would be annoying on the mic, so I haven't tested it out yet. Target gives $1 billion to education over the course of five years, starting in 2010. And through those next five years, uh, <laughs> and within those five years of them reaching that goal... Uh, they buy 189 Zeller locations across Canada, which is a different store. We're not going to worry about them. Kind of Walmart just gobbling up. Yep. They rebranding. You know, Target gobbling up. I mean, it was like Walmart. They're like, oh, Walmart, you're we're gobble up them. stores. To, yeah, yeah, you're going to gobble them. up these beaches. Yeah. They, they partner up with uh, Neiman Marcus, which is a department store known for their fashion. Uh, model online Mobile. shopping. Mobile online model. Mobile yeah. online shopping. So now it's on your phone. They have the app, right? Or I don't even know. If yeah, the app would be out by now. Uh, they even they have reached the point where they give out uh, four million a week to local community. Um, hit their fifty year in operation mark. They open one hundred twenty four locations in Canada. Okay, so open more locations in L.A., Portlandia, and San Fran. Uh, expand the product line. Introduce a uh, cartwheel, which is essentially an online coupon book. Um, adjust their safety rules and regulations for their employees, make it safer for them. The first Target store president and his grandson uh, of the founder, the first Target store president and the (laughs) grandson of the founder, Douglas J. Dayton, dies. So, yeah, that was the the first Target, Douglas J. Yeah, anyways. uh, They have a Data breach that gets their customers, customers, customers' information into the hands of the criminals. They're one of many I think it was Justin. Yep. I think yep. it was Justin. I think Justin. Yeah, that was the only one of my marks. Thought there was many <laughs> companies at the time. <laughs> it was only one of my marks. <laughs> <laughs> this did, however, cause corporate to get a third party forensic firm to investigate, and then they did take significant action to uh, strengthen their security firewalls. There was a while there, yeah, where companies were just getting hacked constantly, and then that really put an emphasis on cybersecurity. Yep, and it would lead actually to the creation of the chip and pin tech to their uh, red cards that costed $100 million to do it. Which now you see on everything. Chip. Yep. yep, so they're, I think it was them that did it. Nice. Uh, I didn't dive deep enough to find out if that's the fact, but I'm pretty sure that they're the ones that did it. Nice. Uh, they renovated 200 school uh, libraries just, just out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, then in 2015, they closed all locations in Canada focused on the U.S. market. Yes, screw Canada. Yeah, fuck Canada's not even a real country. Uh, CVS and Market and Target come Canada. together. Yeah, we, our moms were born in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they start a Plaid Plaid World campaign also. I love so, Plaid. People don't like Plaid? I'm not a fan plaid. of Plaid on me. I, rock I the don't sh- hate when somebody else wears Plaid. I rock the shit out some Plaid. I don't I don't like it on me. Yeah. I don't know. Big Plaid. It's fine. I, I'm not mad about it. I'm a little <laughs> mad about it. But okay, so yeah, now they're in the the, the, the pharmacy game. They they have Plaid Plaid World campaign, and so we're gonna go into the last five years. And I, I there was m- way more information in the oh, last yeah, five yeah. years than there was. So I just I just skimmed. I just skimmed skimmed right yeah. here. 
Okay, because the other information is so so rich, the mom's meats. Yep. It would take forever to get through even one or well, two of those this, points. We, we've talked about it. There's so many of these episodes that we can make into series or like yes. seven hour episodes, but there's what's the point of that? I'm I dude, I really I'm really a big fan of Target after this. I really yeah. am. Yeah. Um uh, Barbie and Target team up. So Barbie does a fashion line through through Target, right? Um, they get further into music. So they kind of did some stuff early on, but now they're bringing Gwen Stefani, Garth Brooks, and they do some sing-along bullshit. Thanks. Um, not necessarily <laughs> with Gwen Stefani and Garth Brooks. It's like a later on thing. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's between Gwen Stefani and Garth Brooks. Gwen Stefani, sing-along bullshit, Garth Brooks. Okay. Any who's in. 20th anniversary of Target's partnership with St. Jude's. They've been working, donating to them, helping with their research, giving them money. Awesome. And, and, and yeah, all the resources that they need. Uh, not Maybe not all the resources, but some. Uh, they remodeled the online store, right? Which so Desperate Need Walmart does at the same time, too. Yeah, Walmart. Yeah. yeah. It was just time. Yeah. Uh, they work with HDTVs, Chip and Joanna Guyanis. Oh, God. <laughs> on Fixer Upper. Oh, my God. <laughs> He didn't know who Chip and Joanna Gaines was, people. He didn't know who they know. were. I don't know. I'm and sorry. Magnolia, that's their brand, by the way, that is partnered with Target, which is a great move for both of them. Yeah. Chip and Joanna are awesome. I, I was going to put more information, but I just wanted to piss Justin off, and I know he'd fill he it did. in. He pissed off me and my wife. That's fine. He didn't assume that he, even his wife knew, and his wife didn't know who exactly who they were. In fact, she's been to Magnolia Farms. So suck it, Brandon. I think well, I think Marley... Kate, Kate didn't know what it was, so I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Marla and our dad also went to the Magnolia. You know what? You guys so, keep your still Magnolias. So it's actually a great movie. It's a good movie. Um, <laughs> her mom's second favorite movie behind Slipper and the Rose. Yeah, Gabriella loves because you have Julia Roberts and the and the story behind it. Is Julia Rob hurts. It's <laughs> the best way to put this too. Jesus this Christ! My favorite Runaway Bride. <laughs> okay, anyways, about me. Right. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Anyways, uh, so they open up stores in Vermont for the first time as well. Um, there are currently really? it took them that long. Huh? It took them that long to get to Vermont. I think it's Vermont so small and out you of the suck way. Vermont. Yeah, it's there beautiful. Are, by the way, I love Robert Frost. Yeah, I've heard it's gorgeous. There. <laughs> I've never been, but uh, there are currently eleven thousand locations in twenty-seven different countries. So one more country than than uh, than Wally World, but, but five hundred five hundred less, less locations. Yeah, still a. Shit ton of locations for both. Still shit ton. Still shit ton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's uh, almost 23,000 uh, Walmart, I'd say, in, in Target stores yeah, around in, the world. In, in, yeah, there's 216 BJ clubs, which I think is sounds more yeah. awesome. And Costco, you think there's a lot of them, but there's less than 800 still. 795. Okay, and then, uh, so, yeah. And Over there, there most of them are in the U.S. That's Avi. <laughs> Uh, he wrote that U.S. Opie. <laughs> I knew how I was going to say it. I knew how I was going to say it. I know. Um, so I got, I got a little bit extra here I didn't give to you. Oh, okay. Um, I'll give you a So there extra. are five top, uh, so the top five highest concentrations of stores by state, starting with number five. What are your guesses? Five, uh, wait, what? Top five. I have them listed from five to one. Top five most concentrated states with targets. Mm. With, with targets on their backs. Minnesota. Minneapolis? I mean, yeah, Minnesota. Nope. Mm. I, know list. I was just thinking because it was started there. Mm-hmm. California? Yep. New York? Uh, yeah. Texas? Yep. Florida? Yep. <laughs> uh, number five is going to be tougher. They're not, they're, you don't have the right order, but you have a, they're all on the list. Arizona? Nope. What would be number five? I don't think you're going to guess this one. I'll give you two more guesses. Number five is going to be the toughest one. Um, Massachusetts? Nope. 
One more. Delaware. No. Damn it. Uh, so New York at number five with 85 locations. Illinois. Mm, Chicago. Illinois. Yeah. With 95 locations. Yep. Uh, Floridian with 124 locations. I actually wrote it just Florida here. Yeah. I just wanted to put some spice on it. Some Texas. Just Texas again. I just want to put it flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, with 150 locations. And California, number one, with 297 locations. Yeah. I, yeah. This... All right, Brandon, before we get out of this, did you FTSOB, USOB? Do we read them one more time? I think it's the second one. But you go ahead and read them one more time for our audience. Okay, I'm going to read them in different order too, so you can say second one all you want. But, um, fact number one Clarence Saunders bought a football team in Memphis, Tennessee, named the Clarence Saunders Soul Owner of My Tigers. This team would play the Packers and the Bears That's in Memphis and would be invited to the NFL. Of course, he declined because he did not want to share revenue or have his team travel. Fact number two. Uh, Sam Walton once promised his employees that he would do the hula on Wall Street if the company reached a certain point of profit. <laughs> I have Kate with me. Yep. And he is. He's a, he wants to be part of the show. Oh, yeah, and he was loving what Oliver's doing. Yep. Kate Cat. Mm-hmm. He's part of the YouTube show, show too, if you want to see how adorable he is. I watch episode four. <laughs> yeah, what is he doing, buddy? Okay, fact number two is, oh, Sam Walton once promised his employees that he would do the hula on Wall Street if the company reached a certain set point of profit. They did so, and Walton did the dance. Again, he, he, they had hula dancers and uh, the media there, too. Fact number three, uh, Sol Price, known for interacting with his clientele and his employees very well, once fooled his employees by telling them that the parking lot was closed, and he made them search for parking all over the place uh, just to them to walk to work to find him parked in the middle of the parking lot and kind of making fun of their expense. Again, he was a good employer, so they he was able to get away with something like that. But I would be pretty, be pretty annoyed walking trying to figure out parking. But as soon as it, like you roll up and you see him there, you're just like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think of Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> they think they're not allowed to park, and he's sitting there rubbing his feet. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, fact number four. Uh, Costco first served their hot dogs in 1985 where you can buy a hot dog and a soda for the legendary price of $1.50 because the price still stands today. Why did the price never change? One, they stopped using Hebrew National and they built a plant to produce their own Kirkland brand hot dogs. Two, the president and CEO Craig Jelinek went to Jim Senegal to tell him that they need to raise their prices and he responded with, if you raise the F in hot dog, I will kill you. Figure it out. So which one do you think is the... Well, the one that was number two, now number one. The, uh, the football team. Creating a football team? The football team. That is a true story. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Yeah, the dude was thinking something else. That's wild. Like I said, I would hate to meet him, but I, I mean, he's just an awesome character. I just don't want any of the other ones. I don't want that one to not be false either, but I yeah. don't want that. I don't want any of the other ones to be false. Do you want to take one more crack at it since I did give you four? <sighs> was it... Uh... Uh, Walton dancing the hula with the girls. Uh, the hot dog. The hot dog, which and I'm never going to pick that one, even it. if it is the one. And then the Soul Price parking lot. Yeah, parking lot gag. I'm going to say the hula. That was also true. Oh, so it's the Soul Price, huh? 
It was all priced the parking lot. Yeah. I made that up because it was just going with this character. But the, the other facts were so good. Like, Clarence yeah. Rogers made his own football team. I just wanted those two to be the true out of most yeah. of them. Yeah. I know. Well, Sam Walton once promised his employees that he would do the Hulu on Wall Street if, certain, uh, if they hit the pre-tax profit of 8% for the fiscal year. They did so in 1983, and Walton did the dance on March 15, 1985. Yeah. Uh, then CFO David Glass hired a truckload of hula dancers, quote-unquote truckload of hula dancers and ukulele players, and tipped out the media, and there is a video of him doing that yeah. on Wall Street. Yeah, uh, I was, I was, it took me everything I could not to look that up. Yep. <laughs> and then, as I mentioned, Costco sells over 100 million uh, hot dogs per year. And they should be sold for around three hundred and sixty or three dollars and sixty five cents. So they're giving away a lot of money to sell those hot dogs. Yeah, but, they're so good. But um, I their, used to, their founder before I got my my membership, I used to sneak in through the exit and go just to the food court just yep. to go eat because yep. the hot dogs were cheap and they're delicious. Yep. And, and you get like a slice of zah. You get a slice of zah, which is like a dollar fifty, and then you get giant soda. Yeah, <laughs> and, a, and a and a hot dog. Yep, and that would fill you up. You'd be good. Yep, and for cheap prices. Yeah, one time a lady caught me. She got me coming in, and I was like, look, I just want to go to the food court. It's good. It's such good food. And then she's like, I'm going to let you through this just this once, but I don't want you to ever do it again. I'm not going to say what location. I'm not going to say what the lady looked like. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, uh, but, I mean, that's, that goes back to why they do so well, right? They, they, they do everything as minimal as they can to keep you in their stores to buy more. And people are willing to buy more because they're willing to go to a store. Like Costco, yeah. That's why they're able. To, that's why they sell for one fifty. It's not because they're there to make a profit. It's similar to why do you have kids meals? You know that that, that restaurants like lose money by having a kids menu. Really? Yep. They did it because after the war was done, when the war finished, and then um, it used to be. So it was necessarily when the war was finished. So whenever before the war, restaurants were basically just for men. Right, they was they would go smoke cigars, they would drink drink with their buddies, they like do all that stuff. Just for men. Yeah, women would stay home, take care of the children, cook for home. Uh, so there really wasn't a whole lot of like restaurant type things. But <laughs> that adorable baby. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I had to get a big go a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but whenever the the men went off to war, the women were home, and they started to go out to the workforce. They started to go eat more, and then when men returned, they needed to figure out a way to keep both their clientele. And the best way to do that was because they were trying to, to build more family friendly, right? Which is what Walmart and all them tried to do is more family friendly type stuff. Is they introduced a kids menu where they lost money, but it would bring the whole family in. To their restaurants, and that's where the kind of kids menu started from. Uh, but that that's it for for us. There's so many. Yeah. I I thoroughly enjoyed putting this episode yeah, together. Yeah, this was fun. And the little bit of research I I did was was vastly interesting. And then the research Justin did, I got to learn with you guys was vastly yep. interesting. Um, yeah, and we just we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah, I I uh, learned so much from this, and yes. Uh, so thank you, Brandon, for helping with the research. Yeah, uh, thank you just for heading it, and thank you for for doing yeah. the, the editing. Thank you, Isaac Zuzage, for the music. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Feedback loop. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah thank great. you to all our sponsors yeah. for creating the show, and thank you to you guys. And we will talk to you real real soon. Hold up. Wait. Yo. I don't like doing this podcast here. Okay. But it's my side job. I do the bare minimum. But I don't do less than that. And I'm not about to let some punk-ass quarantine block off this room and make me feel bad for Logan, which I did not think was possible. 
So I'm going to get out there and I'm gonna finish my research. And yeah, I'm going to cut corners and I'm going to phone it in. But it'll never be said that Brandon Reyes did not do just enough to keep this podcast afloat.